ask yourself, who is we? Who is going again after that minute of sound you just heard? Well, it's none other than one of our favorite bands here at Cinemodities, the Immortal Lansberries. And you might be asking yourself, well, that sounds familiar. Well, of course, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know they've been advertised. You know they've also discussed their music on this podcast many, many years ago. I think two. I don't know if two is many, many. Um, feels like it, though. But You may say, well, who are the Immortal Lansberries, really? It's none other than us! It's me, Rob, and it's also Matt. Matt, I'm so glad to have you here for the second time on this podcast. The only way I can get you on this podcast to shamelessly promote our own music. Is that safe to say? (laughs) Hi, Rob. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty safe. All right. Thanks for Uh, having me, though. (laughs) Yes, of course, of course. Not only are we going to be promoting our music, but, uh, I mean... Not in, in the sense of promotion that we hope this makes you want to listen to it. If you do listen to it and you do like it, I mean, this is like this is like a big behind-the-scenes featurette, you know? Matt and I are going to get into the nitty-gritty of how uh, the Immortal Lansbury's sausage is made and things like that. I mean, it's it's good fun, and I think what better way to talk about the good fun that this episode is going to entail than by telling you, Matt, I, something I don't know if you uh, if you realized, or maybe not put together. We are recording this episode... On a Sunday. <laughs> we don't get Sundays off. <laughs> uh, and No, no, not only do we get Sundays off, but I would say that, we, I would go even a little further and say that we are recording this episode on a sizzling Sunday. <laughs> Let's hope that we can live up to the hype of our song. <laughs> yes, yes. Let me see if I can do it uh, uh, right off the bat. Uh, well, it won't sound exactly the same as in the song because, of course, there's some great effects uh, placed over it. But um, the the thing that Matt and I said to each other and laughed at many times in the creation of this album, Sunday, Sunday, Sizzla. <laughs> Dude, oh, I feel like there were so many times of just like us listening to that and just laughing about it and be like, this is just the wackiest thing, you know? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Every time that part comes up, no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I thought I, I realized that earlier today and I was like, oh, my God, we're recording on a Sunday. Well, I think it happened because I was listening back to this album, you know, in preparation for this recording. And, um, you know, that song starts uh, Sunday Sizzler, which we'll get to. We're going to talk about more detail. But that song starts and, you know, it's it's me singing. It's Sunday, my friends. And I'm like, oh, it is Sunday. <laughs> that type of thing. Um, but, yes, we are here to discuss the newest album from from us, from the Immortal Lansberries. It is titled, well, I guess before we say the title, it is the third album from us. 
Uh, for a long, long time, what did we call it? Just three? Aren't there still folders in our Dropbox that just are the number three? <laughs> and the unnamed album or to be named. To be, yes, yes. Not, not yet named or something or work in progress or something along those lines. Absolutely. Uh, but we finally came up with a name for it. And uh, it was one that I was pushing for real hard. And I'm glad we, we landed on it. This new album which is out at the time that you are hearing this. So if you are listening to this, you can listen to it now on anywhere you get music, iTunes, Spotify, uh, uh, other places that uh, that Lander See, distributes to. <laughs> Deezer, title. Yes. Oh, <laughs> All yeah, these. title. I forgot YouTube about is, you know, YouTube's always been a, a pretty big one for us. Yes, definitely, definitely. You can listen to it everywhere, and it is called The introspective landscape Uh, of course it fits our pattern uh well i guess maybe it's not really a pattern because only the first and third albums have fit it the second one lit was the inversion of it you know that type of thing um but the introspective landscape i I think you know that's a a phrase that i've loved when i was thinking of you know t-i-l phrases for our albums i i thought of that one and i was like god that's so good you know it's there's something weird about that phrase that I truly enjoy, and I'm glad we, uh, you know, got it uh, for this album because I think it really represents what we're going for in this album type of thing. Um, but speaking of the introspective landscape, maybe if you are a little confused about, well, what does that mean? What does Rob mean by the introspective landscape? There's a little piece of artwork that might give you a good uh, sense of what we're talking about. And so, big shout-out to James H., as I believe we've called him before. He's the one who does the artwork for us. He's done the artwork for all of our albums, and I think all of our singles except one. Uh, Exploding Head Syndrome? Maybe not, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, that's um, uh, that's right. Okay, okay. Um, I was about to say, we're good at our jobs, guys. We swear. We know all of our, our history. <laughs> <laughs> but James H. is a great artist. He throws us so much awesome stuff. And if you want to see the album artwork that he's presented us uh, for the introspective landscape, you can either go and listen to the introspective landscape. You'll see it there, and it's wonderful, you know, a very high-quality square, you know, proper representation. But uh, you could also just very quickly back out of uh, wherever you're listening to this or open up your phone and uh, just look at the episode logo for this uh, bonus episode of Cinemodities. I put it in our usual VHS little frame for our episode logo. But, dude, I mean, let's just... Let's just gush. Before we get into all the stuff that we've done for this album, let's just gush over what James has done for this album. This picture is so goddamn cool. I think when James hit us with a lot of different ideas that he had for this album cover, after listening to the album, of course, and listening to us talk about it and explaining it to him, this is the one, I think, that both you and I, met. We, uh, we like, saw, and independently, both of us were like, this is, this is the coolest shit. This is some of the dopest shit I've ever seen. And it's like, James might be, you know, losing out on giving it to us. <laughs> And, and, you know, the thing that makes it kind of miraculous is it's not like we gave him a bunch of criteria Mm -hmm. for the artwork to come out with. We gave him the tracks and we had him listen to it. Yep. And it's like, give us, uh, you know, give us whatever you imagine based on listening to this music. And, oh, man, he gave us lots of options. But, man, this one was fantastic. It really uh, it checked all of our boxes without us even telling him what those boxes are. absolutely Uh, yeah that's a good i'm glad you mentioned he gives us a lot of options because he's a there's a reason we like working with james not only because he's our friend and been our friend for a long time because he understands the assignment you know he's not half-ass in any of these pictures 
just for everyone to understand this, maybe to put it in, in terms of a, a quantifiable form, the album cover that we are using, uh, that, like I said, where you can see it, and everybody should go check it out, is version 8. We went with the eighth option that he gave us. <laughs> That's how many options that he gave us. And it was not the last option, folks. Um, but everybody check out this picture. It's so cool. I mean, what, Matt, there's so much to talk about. Love the turtle in the foreground. I think the turtle is like the big takeaway from the album cover. Love that it has a beard. Love the mushrooms on the head. Love that it's got those shifty eyes. I know you and I talked about that when we were chatting about which one to use. We are like, what's this turtle up to or what's it looking at? That type of thing. So much emotion is conveyed there. I love the eyeball in the horizon. I mean, that is just fantastic. That's like the art I live for. I love the fact that, you know, one of the tiny details that I don't even think I ever got noticed of or knowledge if James was going for, the um, the lines in the iris of the eyeball look like the markers on a clock. It, it gives me a very, you know, time-based type of thing. I love that notion. Um, but the well, bo- Honestly, I don't even know if I noticed that before. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> love that it. That is really cool. Love it. And I mean, you know, uh, if anything, you know, um, if, if you're looking at an eye this big on the horizon, you're going to think, well, there was a time, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, but no, this this album cover is fantastic. It's everything we love. I, I think it is a, um, a great representation of what we're going for in this album, a great representation of the phrase, the introspective land landscape which we'll talk more about um but it's just just hats off to james um you know it, it one day i'm sure james if he does not now which i will get from him uh, he will have in the future someplace that somebody out there can go follow him and look at his artwork he, he much very well deserves it for sure and um this is just a great example of what he can do and it's 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 utterly fantastic i mean this this picture is so good that we are ecstatic to use it as one of our album covers and for a lot of people to see it, you know, on Spotify or things like that. James is a real pro. Uh, oh, well, probably my favorite thing about this is how the eyeball is looking at the viewer mm-hmm. through the valley over the scenes of, you know, the river and everything. And it just, I feel like that lines up perfectly with the idea of it being the introspective landscape. It fits the yes. the title and what we're going for. It couldn't have been more perfect, really. Absolutely. And I guess that actually brings us to, you know, let's let's just jump right into it. That whole title, you know, maybe this, this is probably the best way to, to, to you know, set up or set the stage for these tracks and this album that we're going to get into some more detail on. Uh, the whole introspective landscape, I mean, if you've already heard this album, if you're listening to this kind of like a, an after the fact, or if you're going to listen to it afterwards, I think the thing to keep in mind, well, of course, listen to it and enjoy it any way you want to. But the thing to keep in mind is that, you know, as we started putting these tracks together, I know a big thing, Matt, you and I talked about was the idea that there is such a a wide breadth to the type of songs we're putting out here. Like there is not a cohesive genre to this album. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about it, of course, but I mean, you listen to something like Song Away From Home and Coming Alive, compare that to The Flare Lake and There Was a Time, like, they're, it's it's almost, like, all over the place, and it's not even that they're even grouped together in terms of similar genre, it really is this kind of just, you know, smattering of different sounds and different ideas, and I know that I really wanted to do that and, you know, put these tracks on here, order them in this way, because... I, th- I think, one, my, my first initial idea was this notion of I really like the idea of, oh, what if we had an album that was basically like listening to an open mic night? Like, all the songs are independent, everybody's doing something different, but they all have their own flair and they all have their own interesting takes on things. But then, as we started to put it together and we ended up going with the introspective landscape, I was like, oh, no, this actually works out perfectly. 
all these different feelings, all these different atmospheres that we create throughout this album or try to create throughout this album, you know, they don't get grouped together. One might, you know, unknowingly or, you know, unreasonably go into the next, like a, a very harsh song might go into a very smooth song, something like that. The, you know, Flayer Lake into Pleasantly Discontent, that type of thing. And it's all about, well, that is what the introspective landscape is. When you're looking into yourself, when you're trying to get at, you know, how do I feel? People are weird. People are stupid. People are crazy. People have all these different emotions that don't play out in a linear fashion, don't play out in an organized fashion. They play out in this kind of jumbled mess of emotion. And I love that, you know, I, I hope that, you know, this, well, I think because, God, Matt, you and I have listened to this, you know, a million times now, this album type of thing. I hope that's what we're going to convey to the audiences, that, you know, there's a a true progression through these these tracks and these structures. And I, I also think that, you know, not only in, in what these sounds are presenting, I think a lot of the lyrics and a lot of the emotions we're trying to invoke are very personal. And I know I'm going to talk about the most with Gonna Make a Fool of Myself, um, but I think a lot of this stuff is, it's like, well, how do I feel... You know, how do how do I feel or understand how I feel and just trying to create something that is really, you know, has emotional resonance, I guess, is the best way to say Um, anything you want to add to that, Matt. I agree with everything you said. You pretty much hit the nail on the head, Um, though, I I guess to sort of add to that, I would I would uh, say that this album is kind of an an anthology of sorts. Yes. Uh, as far as how we wrote it was, uh, we never started out with like, all right, our album's going to be about this. This is what we're going to write about. <laughs> we don't, we don't do that. And in this case, it was we worked together and on our own on musical ideas, sharing it over a long period of time, longer than normal. Whenever, at least longer than the last two albums. Absolutely. Uh, uh, the first one could. You know, you could say it took uh, a while, too, but I don't think as long as this one, because we didn't really know what we were doing or that we were making an album at the time. But we just, you know, jammed and worked on music over a long period of time. And then there it came to be. Yeah. Yeah. If you do want to get technical, I mean, the first album took from what, 1992 to 2019, you know, the year of our birth until we made it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm hoping we don't take that long again. Yes. (laughs) Honestly. But (laughs) even though it is like an anthology of sorts, there is uh, a common thread that that uh, we didn't lay there, we didn't sew it in, but mm-hmm. we found it and discovered it as we listened to these songs and sort of, you know, picked out which ones we wanted out of the ones that we recorded and how they were going to be ordered on the album. And then we yeah. start realizing, oh, there's, uh, there is a, 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 not a pattern necessarily, but like I said, a, a thread. There's something that's connecting all of these together. And ultimately, I think that led to the idea behind the introspective landscape Definitely. as being sort of the concept for it. Absolutely. No, and I'm glad you bring that up because I, I definitely want to talk about that. I mean, um, so our last album, Lit, uh, came out in 2020, July 20th, 2020, to be specific. Um, so it's been a little less than two years since that album, but like Matt said, very, very much longer than um, the distance between the first and second album. I I, I think there, you know, um, to, to get at that notion, the reason we took a lot longer is basically because when Lit was finished um, and released – it was basically kind of like, oh, you know, we have, we, we, we're very happy with it. I'm still very happy with it. That's a fantastic album, you know, as far as I'm concerned. That has some of the um, the coolest stuff we've done. It has a lot of the stuff we did. There's some songs that are live. There's some songs that are, you know, through distance, that type of thing. It's great. Um, all of our music's great. If you haven't heard it, go check that out, too. We have other albums other than this new one. Um, <laughs> but 
you know, this one where, you know, after we kind of released Lit, we were like, okay, you know, let's let's take a step back and let's think about some things. And, you know, I'm sure Matt and I had stuff to work on. Um, I had a lot of podcasting stuff to work on and, and things like that. And so he was like, okay, you know, let's just take our time and, you know, let's not jump right into any other ideas or anything, but let's take a step back. And, and I think that that bred this kind of working culture between the two of us for probably about a year, um, may, maybe like 10 months or something, where – like we we were never working on things we were distant from each other of course because matt lives in pennsylvania i live in colorado but you know it was this thing where we were never really working on things at the same time it was almost like we would work on things in bursts if i remember correctly matt like there'd be a thing where matt would be like you know over two weeks he'd be like rob i just uploaded so much shit for you to listen to and i would be like oh my god it's kind of overwhelming i'll get to it eventually and then matt would forget about it and then i'd find a time to be like okay this weekend i don't have to go to work or anything or whatever i'm just gonna do this music type of thing and then i'd send him back a bunch of stuff and and kind of we just volleyballed or ping-ponged back and forth with that idea and I think that was really beneficial to this album because that time of letting these things kind of resonate or stew or sit within our brains, um, not only with, you know, when you created something, put it in Dropbox and said kind of like, Rob, it's on you now, you still got to think about your stuff. When I did that, I still got to think about my stuff. And eventually when we came together, you know, last year in September um, in person to refine things, it all kind of clicked. But I, I think one of the things that I wanted to mention on that aspect is that when Matt was sending me so much stuff for the previous two albums, kind of our whole, you know, musical career together, every time Matt would send me something, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I want to know what Matt sent me. And I'd listen to it and I'd have an idea. Like as I'm listening to it, I have an idea for a lyric or idea for a whistle or, or, you know, adding ukulele, melodica, guitar, anything like that. And I would be like, oh my God, I got to get it down right now. You know, that type of thing. And that made great songs. I mean, um, it it is a a strange fact that you know uh, a lot of those songs on um, on lit from two years ago. Like I'm thinking of definitely like um, ashes and cinders, and um, even even something like sick and tired. I think those were things that basically were just like I listened to it. I had an idea. I recorded it in the moment. We were like, this is great. You know, we're done. That type of thing. Um, not that it wasn't refined further and, and cleaned up and anything like that, but there was like a almost a sponta- spontaneity of like how those songs came together. And I think when we took our time in this last year for this album, it very much became like, you know, I took a step back and I, me personally, I was like, oh, even if I listen to it and I have a great idea, maybe I'll keep that in the back of my head. I want to think on it more. I want these lyrics I want them to be more refined. I want them to mean something more cohesive. Because, don't get me wrong, I mean, I think things like um, Ashes and Cinders is a great example. I, I think that song has a lot of cohesiveness, but only in, like, segments. I think all of the lyrics I put forward in that song, you can clearly tell where it's like, okay, you know, it's almost like stream of consciousness at certain points, you know? It's like... Rob clearly had a thought, you know, after he sang about this for a minute that he just goes off on another thing and, you know, and, and I really wanted to not just fall into that trap again. And so what happened was I, I know Matt and I, you talked about this in this whole two year process where I was like, yeah, I really haven't worked on stuff, you know, cause, cause it would happen. You'd send me a bunch of stuff and you'd be like, I really like this one track. And I'd be like, thumbs up on Facebook, you know, and then a month, month and a half ago by, and you'd be like, did you listen to that track yet? And I'm like, I did, and it's really cool, but I want to think about it even more. And you're like, okay, I, I get it, but it's a long time, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. <laughs> um, but I, I really wanted to pull back and say, well, 
not, not only let me think about Matt's music more, but let me start to write some lyrics independent of Matt's music. I didn't want my lyrics to be like spontaneous reactions to these sounds because I think it would sound good. I wanted to rather think of some meaning and words and stuff, get them all organized, and then find a way to make them sound good type of thing. Um, and I know I've told Matt this before. It happens with, with the Immortal Lansberries a lot or any music we work on because, yes, everybody, there's, there's many songs we have that are not released anywhere, you know? We, we do have oh, a, yeah. <laughs> a very wide, you know, a library in our Dropbox type of thing. Um, and it's like I didn't want to just fall into that. I wanted to make something more cohesive. And I think, you know, with all that being said, it is – I think it is very well shown in this album is that, you know, some of the songs we're going to talk about, I mean, I think Song Away From Home, especially, I think Gonna Make a Fool of Myself, I really think, um, like, a copy of a part of a whole that no longer exists. Yes, that is the title of one of our songs. Um, I think there's a lot of, oh, Amazes Me might be the best example, um, is that it's like, I had an idea, I never wanted to stray from that idea, I wanted to make sure that that song is about that idea, and then, Doing that for individual songs, stringing them together, gives you this whole kind of, you know, emotional resonance, introspective landscape type of thing. Um, I don't know. Did I miss anything there or leave anything out? Or maybe, you know, did you feel the same way with your music? Because I know in some of the tracks we're going to talk about, like Start Somewhere While Going Nowhere, Ice Cold Heat, more of the instrumental tracks or the tracks where you have a lot going on with your guitar work and stuff like that. Did you refine them over the years type of thing, like independent of my lyrics or anything like that? Yeah, to a certain degree, I'd say. Um, the, the thing that's weird about this album is it is a hodgepodge of uh, different methodologies yeah. as I was experimenting with how I wanted to both write and record the songs. So, uh, and, and they're all recorded during different like phases of what was going on over the last two years, and I would be experimenting with a different kind of thing at that point in time and then yep. sort of uh, come to it. So... Uh, for example, um, you pointed out uh, so, uh, Start Somewhere While Going Nowhere and Ice Cold Heat were mm-hmm. both uh, very much experiments with uh, initially like, all right, how do I want to record my acoustic guitar and get it to sound exactly how I really want it? Having not been a 100% happy with how I've done it in the past, not even that I was unhappy with it, but more of how can I make this better? How can sure. I do it better and make it sound even more uh, professional, I guess? while you know doing it on a no budget kind of recording but still make it sound (laughs) uh sound good and uh through doing that you know it it would hit me the concept of the song would just yeah i would basically have the setup ready once i figured out how i wanted to you know lay out my mics and everything and then eventually the song would just hit me and with those two songs in particular they were kind of weird because i recorded them and wrote them you know, at the same time, it was like an instant thing. I could hear the song. I knew exactly what I wanted. And mm-hmm. then I recorded it. Uh, but then those are really the only examples of that uh, other than maybe one other one. Most of them, it was it took time. You know, I was I would be working on one of these songs for a period of weeks, maybe coming up with a piece at a time and then eventually figuring out what the whole thing's going to look like once I, you know, combine all these pieces into uh, sort of one train of thoughts sure, you know sure no that i think that's awesome i, I think that's really cool and you know it, it's I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it in there that um uh it goes for me as well for both of our parts and for us collectively we knew 
going into this, when we were going to, we, well, I mean, we always knew we were going to release more music. Uh, spoiler alert, folks, we will always be releasing music um, until one of us dies. Uh, one of us dies, we'll deep fake the other one and, you know, just keep making music or something like that. <laughs> um, but, you know, we both went into this saying, we're going to make new music. We want it to be better. We want to improve. We don't want to do the same thing we did last time or the time before, or anything like that. We really want to do something different and get better with this, you know. And I think that's part of the reason where we were like, you know, I think from the first to the second album from um, uh, Today I Learned to Lit, we were just like, dude, it's so cool. We can put music on Spotify, and it's not that expensive, and people actually listen to it, even though it's only like 10 people, but people still listen to it, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> and then we were like, we got to do this again. And there was like, what, like a year or something between the two albums, maybe even less than a year, I think, between the first two. And then this time we were like, okay, you know, we're more adult, we're more mature, we want to actually improve what we're doing now. And I, I really think it shows in this, in this album, and I hope the audience um, can hear it as well, type of thing. Um, but you hit the nail on the head that we didn't want to just be like, okay, yeah, we're just a jam band or something. We actually wanted to refine this stuff. And I think on that topic, um, I, I do want to mention, because I, I mentioned it briefly, we worked on this very distantly. Of course, like I said, we live in two different time zones. We live across the country from each other. Um, you know, we, we did a lot of this stuff. I, I would even go as far to say, you know, from the recording of this in, in late May, a lot of these tracks, if not all of them, were completely finalized a year ago. They were not oh. mastered and created for the album until September of last year when Matt and I very, very greatly um, got to actually do this together. I went out, um, as the cinema audience knows, I went out to um, the East Coast or the East Side of the country for Ben's wedding last year. And, of course, after Ben's wedding, I had to hit everybody else I know on the East End of the country. And, of course, I spent some time in Pennsylvania. And, man, I don't think I'm ever going to forget that we, you know, I was there for a few days we spent some days where we were just, you know, bullshitting, you know, just hanging out, just seeing people, playing video games, whatever. But that day, dude, we put in like a solid 11-hour day of just working on our music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was work. <laughs> yeah. It was dude, like real work. <laughs> we Like from morning to night, that's all we did. And of course, we took breaks. We had to eat and stuff like that. But then it was like, okay, you know, we still got six tracks left or something like that, you know. And we went through them painstakingly. We listened to them multiple times. We really tried to make sure everything was exactly the way we wanted it to be. We adjusted. We tweaked some things. Oh, that was so much fun. And that was really the, the big finalization of the album with some few minor tweaks and stuff like that. But that was where it was really, and I think that's something that we didn't do for the others where it was just like, okay, we've had all these ideas. We've had all these notions. Let's bring them together and let's actually talk about them. Um, I, I know for one, as we'll get to uh, track three and a uh, song away from home, sorry, track two, are we going again? And um, track five, Farpeggio used to be part of the same song. And I remember, yeah, and I was going to ask you, can you remember what we called that? I don't, <laughs> I don't even remember, remember the we, original. Yeah, I don't remember the original. We have to go back through our like you know um, uh, gigantic folders and directories. Um, but I remember like having that notion. I remember thinking that like when we first were recording some of that stuff, and me sending you like a Facebook voice message or a, a voice message in Dropbox, and I was like. I was like, I think these could be two songs, and I and I didn't really understand what I was saying, and you were just kind of like, whatever. Like, I think we had other things to talk about, but then when we got together in person and we listened to it, I was like, dude, these should be two separate songs. Not only should they be two separate songs, we should move them apart from each other, that type of thing, you know? And I was like, one of them could be like the end of an act or something, and you were like, 
I fucking understand it now, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so there's a lot yeah, of... once we did it. Exactly. There's a lot of refinement, I think, that went into us working together and being able to hear it in the moment and discuss it that just just makes this miles, miles more interesting than us just going like, yeah, that's good, okay, next one, type of thing. <laughs> Speaking right, of which, yeah. you know, the, the audience should also um, be aware that... Uh, I do want to bring up, there are two songs on this that did fit into that. Uh, I think a hallmark of our creative process, Matt, is that we make a song together, one of us has some issues with it, and the other one goes, fuck it, it's great, you know? <laughs> like, just do it. <laughs> um, the the one that I want to mention, I think, is, um, uh, for me, uh, track 12, Pleasantly Discontent, I remember you sending me that guitar part, just the guitar part, very soft acoustic guitar, and you're just like, yeah, this is just something I threw together. I'm just kind of working on it, you know, that type of thing. He's like, we don't really have to focus on it. I came back with the lyrics almost immediately, and you were like, yeah, this is pretty cool. This is really different from anything else we've ever done, though. And I'm like, yeah, but Matt, I fucking love it, and it's the music I want to make, and we need to release it, that type of thing. And there it is on the album. Flip side of the coin, I cannot express to the audience right now how many goddamn times I tried to redo the lyrics to track four coming alive, and Matt just kept saying to me, it's not as good as the first time you recorded. <laughs> it's crazy how that happens. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we have some songs that we've done that with and that still haven't seen the light of day to this point. Exactly. For years and years, we've been trying to get it right, and it's like, man, if only I was in <laughs> tune that first time. <laughs> The first right? time I recorded it, otherwise it'd be perfect. But sometimes, <laughs> it, sometimes it comes out great to one of us. One of us thinks it's great in the in the first. I mean, I mean, I remember so many times going, you and I going back and forth, where you're like, "Coming alive is so cool. It's so much fun. It sounds so good." And I'm like, "I, I, I could do it so much better." It turns out I couldn't do it so much better. I tried many times, and it, I, I am with you that I maybe I'll be able to do it better. You know, if if anybody started to pay us to do it better or something like that. You know, if I could work on it for like a week straight or something but i just wanted to mention that because there's songs that we worked tirelessly on so many versions so many takes getting down the nitty-gritty there's songs that you know we did medium amount of work on where it was just like oh this is great few tweaks here there maybe change this that the other thing okay we're good and there's songs that just kind of popped out type of thing and i think that fits the motif i think that's the whole point of this being the introspective landscape that sometimes things you think are just you know underbaked sometimes they're half-baked sometimes they're fully baked it just adds to that introspective landscape and i think it's a, a great experiment you know maybe this is a call to action to listen to this album anybody out there you know what are you what songs do you like the best do you like the ones that are well refined and uh you know or do you think they're overproduced or do you like the songs that are you know really just you know off the cuff type of thing I mean, maybe with all that being said, Matt, if there's anything else you want to say about the um, the album as a whole or any of these ideas we've been putting forward, please do. Um, but if not, uh, would you want to get into dissecting some of these tracks? Let me find my scalpel. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I love it. Um, so we're just going to go through them in order. Um, some are going to be, you know, have more details than others and things like that, of course. But, you know, if you've listened to this already or if you're thinking about listening to it, this is the full behind the scenes that we're getting to right now. And the number one. Start somewhere while going nowhere. And I, I think before we discuss this, this instrumental track that starts the album, a fantastic instrumental track, which I, if I do believe, Matt, is all you. I don't think I have anything to do really with this track other than in the mastering process. I don't think I'm playing any instruments. 
I don't think I'm doing anything. There's no whistles. I think this was fully just like, you know, oh, me in the editing booth almost. <laughs> I think so. And I, I know we talked about it, like the possibility of adding lyrics or adding other yeah. kinds of instrumentation, but I think we felt like it stood on its own really it, well. It definitely does. It definitely does. And it, it's a fantastic track. I loved it. It was one of the ones where when I listened back to this album for this recording, I had not listened to this album in a while. Um, I think the last time I listened to it was maybe when we talked about it with James, which was months ago at this point, maybe two months ago or something like that, for the artwork. Uh, talked to James about the artwork and stuff like that. I honestly thought the first track was Are We Going Again? Like, I kind of forgot that Start Something While Going Nowhere kicked off the album. That's what you wanted to be the first track, I, I remember. I very much did. <laughs> I very much did. But I have to say, um, when we discussed it and made the choice to put this instrumental first, it was the right choice. Because when I put this album on and started, I was like... Dude, yeah, you know, because it's it I I'm going to say this about Ice Cold Heat, the other instrumental track on this album. The instrumental, the way that you you set up these tracks, Matt, it's like putting the listener through a journey. And that's what I love about it. Like I feel like you're going on a journey where it's not like the um the the usual, you know, verse chorus verse chorus structure, you know. It's not like, you know, oh yeah, it's very formulaic or repetitive or anything like that. Like I honestly feel like when you listen to Start Somewhere While Going Nowhere, uh, re- ignore the title for a little bit, uh, you are going from point A to point B. You are going through <laughs> a journey. You definitely are. <laughs> you definitely are. <laughs> um, but on that topic as well, I do love the title. I really love that title, Start Somewhere While Going Nowhere. Um, I-, I think that's one of those weird, you know, uh, pseudo-profound or maybe pretentious shower thought ideas that just sounds good type of thing. <laughs> definitely definitely i think that 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 is true to a certain degree i also feel like it sort of encapsulates the um the struggle of writing music and creating music that you don't really know anything about it you know you don't know if uh you know people other people are going to like it or not you don't really care too much either so in the end that you're not really worried about where you're going it can be nowhere you don't care but you know you started with something good Exactly, exactly. Not only, I mean, to bring it back to the theme of introspection, you know, I mean, forming a thought or how do you respond to a situation? You got to start somewhere. You might go nowhere. Uh, even, you know, I think everybody's had it. You know, it's like maybe, um, you know, you get angry at something. You might have the moment of clarity. We go, well, why did that make me angry? And you go, well, I don't really know why, but I know it did make me angry. God damn it. You know, that type of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's it's a great track. Everybody listen to it. I mean, it, since it's Matt's, I don't have too much to say about it, um, because but other than it is it is amazing and it's so goddamn good to listen to, you know. Um, I love when we do instrumental stuff. I love instrumental stuff in general. Um, there's a, there's some fantastic riffs in there. I mean, um, it gets heavier near the end. I love when it gets heavier. I mean, I think that uh, a lot of the um, editing we did in person, you know, when we were getting this whole album together, making sure we understood, like, Oh, where do we want to cut off one track to play it, start the next one? Do we want them to blend together? Sometimes do we want them to just hard cut, like, little moment of silence and start? I'm pretty sure from track one and track two, we just have, like, a hard moment of silence. Uh, I'm pretty sure track one ends, like, ba-na-na-na-bomp-ba-bomp-ba-bomp. Just... Yeah, just lets it yeah. sit, you know? It's, it's not even two seconds, that's I why, think a second just lets it sit. That's exactly why I wanted it to be the opener for the album, because I felt like it would pump the listener up. It's It really <laughs> provides a lot of uh, going forward momentum, some, I don't know, it's got something to it that, and, and the fact it is, like you said, a full journey, it sort of samples the journey that the 
listener takes whenever they're listening to the yeah. album too. So very much like an felt- overture in that sense. Yeah. And then, you know, it's totally new. It's very different from what you hear on the other two albums, sure. you know, the first two albums. And then, you know, follows with Are We Going Again? Absolutely. You know, just as kind of a reminder to everybody who we are <laughs> and what we're doing. Yes, yes. <laughs> in case they had forgotten. <laughs> um, I, I actually, I'm so glad. Something you said in there made me think of this, and I'm so glad because we should discuss it. I, I did not have it written down, but I'm I'm so glad I remembered it. The click of the needle drop that you put in at the very start of start somewhere we're going nowhere something that you did on your own I, I like we never you were never like should i put this in there and i was never like oh we should have the sound effect you were just like dude i put it here it's fucking great let's do it and i you showed it to me and i was like hell yeah you know it's so slight it's so minute but if you know if you notice it it's clear like click and it just goes and it's just like oh my god it's perfect you know <laughs> The funny thing about that is, I mean, that's really what it sounds like to it, but that was totally accidental. I didn't even, I didn't put that in there. Okay. That was like, I think I like bumped into the microphone or something with the (laughs) guitar and it like had that like, and then, yeah, yeah, you hear it and, and you hear a little bit of static afterwards. And then I was like, oh, well I could take that out, but that sounds really like like a mic, like you know, the needle dropped on a record. Exactly. I'm like, that's perfect. It's it is wonderful. That, that per- further reinforced that being the first track on the album too. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Just opens it up like that. No, that that it, it's a, it's a wonderful sound, and it was one of the things once again that when I listened to it in preparation for this recording, it came back to me like I had forgotten about it. You know, such a small moment, and I was just like, kind of. Like just ah, oh, perfect, you know that type of thing. Like I, I'm, I'm being welcomed into this music. <laughs> it's always good when an accident turns out for the positive. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can use that as uh, part of the art. Yes, yes. But like you said, you know, we pump up the audience. We give them this sense of overture. Like I think that's an, a nice, neat way to put it. And that gets us into the track that everybody has heard already. Even if you haven't heard the album, it was the opening theme song to this episode. Uh, the very short intro track, Are We Going Again? And the answer is yes, of course we're going again. We're never not going to be going again. Um, but I, I know I wanted to mention something about this song um, because you sent me this, like, what, two-minute, 15, two, yeah, two-minute, 15-second track originally, um, the second half of which became Farpeggio, of course, and you had this kind of, Oh, you know, no, 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 no. I've got to correct you there. Oh, Turbulence was the turbulence. second half of Turbulence, okay, okay. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and so I remember since they were very much like two separate parts of a song, like you, you had a at that one minute mark, it really just became something different. I did something different, you know, lyrically in both of those. And with the way you were playing guitar in the first part, in the first minute in what is now Are We Going Again? It very much came across to me as like singing in rounds, you know, like just over loop, uh, overlapping dialogue, lyrics, that type of thing, you know, and I was just like, oh, this is so cool. And whatever was in me, I was just like, I love the phrase, are we going again, you know? And I just recorded it over and over and over. And not only did I record me saying it many times on, you know, on repeat, I did myself many takes of that. And what you hear in this final version is, I don't know how many, I don't have the uh, the Audacity files or the Reaper files or any of these things opened up, but it's got to be at least three or four layers of my vocals, you know? saying, are we going again, just mapped over each other. And I remember when I was doing this on my end, you know, just recording and recording and recording and and layering them and listening to them, 
I think it's what the the end of the second one where are we going again where I have like the high and the low and there's something in there that just came out and I was like this sounds so cool you know I was like this came out fantastically like are we going of course I can't do it because I can only sing one layer right now I'll probably put the clip in because it sounds so cool are we going again 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 but once I heard that, I was like, dude, we, we cannot not use this. <laughs> it was perfect. It, re- it, it fit that uh, that part of that track really well. And this is one of this is the track that I feel like in the beginning, you and I deviated from the most, most likely, because it was like you wanted to split them in two. And I didn't I didn't understand that yeah, at first, yeah. you know. But with the lyrics for that, it like that made that one minute track. It was like, okay, this fits perfectly. We found the perfect spot to split it. It doesn't really seem too obvious that it was split, you know. It, exactly. Both versions of it fit really well with where they are on the album. Yeah. And I believe, I believe the second part is uh, just instrumental, right? Turbulence. I can't remember. Was there a little bit of a? There might have been a little bit of vocals in that. It, at one point. Yes, I believe so. Uh, there's very few. That's the um, uh, rising from below, falling from the sky. Yes, that coming part. Coming in from side to side. Yes. Uh, yes. I can't believe I forgot about that. That part is great. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to talk yeah. about some of those lyrics when we get to that song for sure. Um, but yes, yes. When we split that, I remember that moment. You know, that, of course, you know, it was very early on in our, in our giant day of working on music. And we were just both like, dude, okay, we get it. Like, this is it. This has, like, this is perfect, you know? Um, gave us a lot more uh, puzzle pieces to play with. It was awesome. It was, it was just perfect. Um, and it, it sounds so cool, you know? Um, like, there's something weirdly catchy about when i listen to it you know and i hope the audience who heard it at the start of this episode think you know i want them to be like come away from that you know maybe listen to this whole episode or listen to part of it and then pause it and then they're going about their business maybe doing their dishes and they're like are we going again you know that type of thing <laughs> <laughs> dishes again every day are we going again are we i'm a, I'm a shower i can get again. you through it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Get you through the repetitive tasks of your life. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Speaking of catchy, I guess that brings us to the third track. Uh, also, the lead single, which was out before um, this album, which uh, I have talked about on this podcast before. I know I've used it. I've advertised it when uh, we've done our little, you know, um, ad revenue segments at the end of the end of the podcast. I've talked about Song Away From Home. Um I from everybody I've played it for, everybody I've talked to that's heard it, they're just like, I cannot get it out of my head. Like I have had so many people that I've shown this song to, and then like the next day or the next time I see them, they'll be like, you know, every time I think about it, you know, and they they won't sing it, <laughs> you know, right or anything like that. But just the fact that there is an we have created an earworm of every time I think about it, you know, I think about it. Yes, and I'm glad <laughs> you mentioned that because I say it all the time. It's one of the catchiest things I've ever written. It's one of the coolest sounding things we've ever put together. The way that the guitar works in that part. Every time I think about it, I think about it. It's really good. It's probably going to be the thing that archaeologists dig up when we're long dead, Matt. They're going to find this piece of our music. But I, I will never not say it's the dumbest line of lyrics I've ever written. <laughs> 
man, it's it, no, Rob. It's just it's too good. You, you wrote too good of it's lyrics. Too it's too profound. Like, <laughs> it's like when when Johnny Depp has to shoot the chef in Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Oh, because okay. the the dish was just too good. It was too perfect. Yes, it, yes. It kind of reaches that with the the ear the. You know the earworm, the hookiness of it. It's something that we don't. It's the kind of territory we usually avoid. Really, I mean, we we're not motiv- We're not motivated to write hooks, you know, and write ear earworms or anything. We just write whatever we feel generally, how, yeah. whatever we are inspired by, and it's not always hook, you know, hooky. But it happened to come out that way with this song. It, it it might just be the best that we've ever done. It's real. I mean, it was it was the thing that when we were thinking of like, oh, what's our single going to be? We were like, okay, done. This one, it has to be this one. You know, there was no. We were we like the only thing we thought about was was would there be another single and what would it be? Mm-hmm. I mean, we were just like single song away from home, that type of thing. Um, I do I do want to talk about well, also on the catchiness. Um, it's. It gets caught in my head. It was. It's been caught in my head since I thought about it. You know, every time I think about it, it makes my skin crawl. I mean, I love singing it. I mean, I actually, it's grown more on me. I love the the middle um, verse. The um, you know, it replays, decays. My thoughts are frayed, and no one thinks about that. Like that's been sticking with me a lot more as time has gone on. That's probably my favorite bit of that right on, that right song on. lyrically. But also, you know, we shouldn't shortchange. Hey, 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 hey. Like, that's just, that's just great vocalization. I love vocalization, you know? Um, yep. Oh, God, it's, it's, so, it's so catchy. And um, I did want to mention some things about this song because I love it so much. This is one of the ones that really should not exist. I mean, when I, when I say that, I'll explain. But uh, it's a song that came out of, you know, no real um, work. It was one of the things that I think, you know, one day, Matt, I sent you a track, a really, really rough, clip-filled, you know, clipping-filled audio track because I was like, Matt, I recorded this on my 12-string guitar when I had it at my buddy's, and I was I was literally away from my home, but I think it sounds really cool, so it's not on a professional microphone, that type of thing. It's on my little tiny voice recorder, which some of our other songs from previous albums are recorded on, and I was like, Matt, this sounds really cool. And you were like, yeah, it does sound really cool. And I even did some stuff at the beginning where I, like, reversed some of, some of the audio and type of things because there's part where I'm just strumming on the strings above the, um, above the fretboard, like above the neck and stuff like that. And it sounds – that's that whole opening intro. It's reversed and sounds really weird, you know. And, and I, I don't really remember what came next. I think you might have been like, this is cool, and here's, like, a bass line for it. And then one day I was like, every time I think about it and, like, put that onto it. Like, honestly, this song just came out of, like, the ether. There was no real work towards this song. It just eventually came together, and we were like, what the fuck did we stumble on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, from what I remember, you sent that to me, and like you said, it was a little bit rough, yes. but it was it was what we ended up using. And yeah, yeah. it took a little bit. Uh, it we, I had to listen to it a bunch of times and then think of what kind of alterations I want to do, how I wanted to polish it in a certain way. Sometimes that's just... Whenever I get a track, that's sort of the approach I take. It's like, all right, I got to chisel off some rough edges and, yeah. you know, uh, get the sandpaper out and just buffer it down until <laughs> it's a smooth statue. And with this one, um, there was a little bit of that, like with the intro in particular, uh, 
that was weird. I used, I'm pretty sure I used my bass guitar with like loads of effects okay. uh, to layer on top of that reversed uh, shrill sound you were making with your guitar to try and sort of smooth that out a little bit. And then um, I did add a bass part to it and I don't really have too much recollection of the bass part for the song. It's not really that important, but the what I think really made that work is the electric guitar part that i play over the main hook of the song like towards the end like maybe it's the last minute of it or so uh it's so good it just is like it's like glue you know it's uh it just works it sits so perfectly in the mix with the melody that the that you're strumming on your acoustic and you just hear you know this it's such a simple it's a guitar solo really but yep. it's very simple and it just fits perfectly with what you're doing it's like probably the best example of that i have of a, a part that i've contributed to a main song that you provided that just did nothing but fit the song and serve the song absolutely you know? it elevated the song 100% um and it it is so it's so good it's one of those things that you know I think that you and I can pick up on because we've we've heard these songs millions of times, and that's not an understatement, you know? Like, there's times I listen to Song Away From Home, and I'm, I listen to more of the parts of it rather than the whole. And, you know, like, so what I'm talking about is, like, the lyrics with the bass, with your, with your bass, with your electric guitar, with my uh, 12-string guitar acoustic. And I listen, I can, you, you can hear, because we put it together, you can hear those four parts. And I go, this shouldn't fucking make sense. Like this shouldn't this should not click as well as it does. But when you pull back and listen to the whole product, it's just like, yeah, this is this is literally atmospheric. Like it is creating an atmosphere that, you know, it's like if you mix a bunch of paints together that shouldn't be mixed and you get a beautiful color. And you're like, Oh shit, how'd that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree one hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I also want to mention that that intro, I love that intro, that weird, you know, um one of one of my friends that I showed this to or played for like before we even released his single, he was like, this makes me think of the Mars Volta and their weird stuff. And I was like, that is a massive compliment to me, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> um, but just the way the intro transitions into the song, when I have the jang, 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 boom, and your bass comes oh. in, and the hey, hey, it's like it's like a momentous, it's, it's why it has to be so early on the album. It really is, like, after Are We Going Again is the intro, that moment in Song Away From Home is like, buckle up, like, this is what you're in for, type of thing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, uh, when it, like, whenever you mentioned that transition from the intro to where the song actually begins, that's what makes the intro so important because yes. it's not that just that it sets you up for the song, but it may, like, whenever the song starts, it really hits. Yep. You know, it it's impactful and you feel it. It just sounds huge. It's also like, almost, that, that, that change in the song from like the intro is what 50, 45 50 seconds long or something that change into the song it's like an M Night Shyamalan six sense level twist like the whole first part is like buana 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 you know that like weird, <laughs> weird discordant noises, and then you know just boom, hey, 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 and then everybody's like, oh, well, okay, no, now I'm comfortable with this type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, there's always a little bit of uh, I don't know, I, they say what is it, a little bit of sugar to make the medicine go down, but yeah. we add, tend to add a little bit of medicine just to complement <laughs> the sugar because yes, yes. <laughs> I like that, I like that. <laughs> 
Um, this is too sweet. I need vinegar with it or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's a great song. I think it's one of the best we've ever done. I mean, I think it's it's something that I've, I'm I am so happy to, you know, put forward. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not saying I'm unhappy to share our music with anybody. But I mean, think about the single from the last album, or, or like um, nihilistic yet bewildered compliance. Like, that is a great song. That is a fantastically wonderful song. I think nobody could have made that song other than you and I, Matt. But it is, like, abrasive for the most part. Where yeah. This is a song that I feel like I could play to be like, you know, hey, you know, I've, I haven't really known you for that long, but I'll play you this song. And they'd be like, that was pretty good. Who was that? It was me. You know, that type of thing, <laughs> you know. Where nihilistic yet bewildered compliance, it might be like, you know, or even take Smothered, for example. You play that song for somebody, and they're like, that was good. Are you okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what do you want to talk about right now? You know, um, this is very much more like, oh wow, you made a banger. You know that type of thing. Um, but I do also want to mention before we get off "Song Away from Home," this is the first track with full lyrics to it. Um, this is what we were getting at. I think this song is one of the reasons, the main reasons that we wanted to call it the introspective landscape. It's all about, it's very introspective. Every time I think about it, and about it, it could be about anything, about any emotion you're feeling, any, you know, uh, experience you've had, any interaction you've had. And, you know, of course, when I was writing it, I might have had certain things in mind that, you know, I was trying to uh, project on or reflect on or something like that. But I think everybody can get on the idea. It's like every time I think about it, Makes my skin crawl, makes my brain burn, makes me fully stall, makes me makes my stomach turn, makes me know I'm wrong, makes my life long. It's about that idea that when you get too introspective, you dwelling on your thoughts. It's not the best for you. I mean, it's a meme these days. It's, just, it's a stupid meme, but it's the thing. It's like I, I I lay awake in bed every night thinking about how cringe I was in middle school. That's not fully what this song is about because I don't do that because you know I've I've been a dope dude my whole life. You know, okay, joking aside. But the idea is that it's like you know every time I think about it, how I feel about these things, that your own feelings can make you upset. Your own feelings can make you feel something else. It's just, That's a wild idea to me, and I love it. Um, and that's really, I think, this song is getting at. And then, of course, I think, you know, the, the last verse about the um, people seem to like that, that whole idea, is that, you know, people love drama. People love gossiping about you. People love as much as they might act differently, people love seeing you fall apart. People love seeing other people do worse than them type of thing. Um, that's what I was it's, getting it, at there. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, well, and first I want to preface this with, uh, every. Uh, this happens very consistently whenever I get lyrics from Rob where, uh, you know, and we'll both like love them and be all on board with them on the songs, but often we'll have very different interpretations <laughs> yes. uh, of what, of what the lyrics even mean. And that's something that is a marker for me that it's a great lyrics. I don't want the lyrics to spoon feed, you know, ideas to people. I, I, I want people to get out of it based on their own experiences. Nice. And you do yeah. that perfectly whenever you, the way you write your lyrics and with that song in particular, yeah, it, it you you sort of really struck what I was thinking about it with uh, what you said at the at the end there, and it's like people do enjoy getting off on violence and the misery of others, basically. Oh yeah. So yep. that's I, I mean you know other bands that we love uh, sing about that kind of stuff too. It's very it, it is a it is a real 
thing that that is going on we live in the you know what did south park call it like murder porn all of the you know crime procedurals that i know rob really loves he's really loves his murder porn hell yeah (laughs) i just watched the uh season finale of season two of law and order organized crime yesterday (laughs) (laughs) wait is that the season finale or the series finale season finale season finale finale. they're gonna they're gonna keep going they're gonna keep going I can never tell. Law and order is like cockroaches. They're gonna out. It's gonna outlive a nuclear war. You know, what what can survive a nuclear war? Cockroaches and Dick Wolf. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but no, um, absolutely. The- and I think I think that's a great you know kickoff. Not only is it a catchy song, it's an awesome song. It has so much going for it, and um, it's gonna make people want to sing it themselves. But there is a lot of meaning to it, and I think, you know, that's one of the also reasons to tie it back to what I said before. I can't be mad at all that the stupidest line of dialogue I've ever written, of of lyrics I've ever written, is one of the catchiest, because that's, you know, it's that meaningful. I think there is something to be said, as much as, like I said, I joke about how stupid it is, because on the surface level, it is really stupid. Every time I think about it, I think about it. It's the idea that, you know, if there's something that upsets you, you're going to keep thinking about it, and the only reason you think about it more is because you thought about it prior, and it sticks in your memory. So every time you think about it, you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> that maths out to me. That's, that's my defense, <laughs> and I'm sticking with it. Um, you know, but, you know, on that topic of catchiness and uh, earworms, I mean, we don't really slow the ball down with track four with Coming Alive. I mean, it is very catchy, and uh, it, it is really good, but this is the one that we mentioned earlier. Matt just pushed this one through matt was like this was so good you know this is the one that you were like rob you've done something crazy and i was like yeah but i could do it better and you're like stop it you like slap my hand away from the microphone you're like stop it it's <laughs> it's good enough you know not good enough you're like it's great that type of thing <laughs> i was shocked when rob sent me this because uh, yeah i mean he's absolutely right i thought it was fantastic it was amazing uh but what shocked me was that the he picked this musical piece that yes. I had provided a long time ago. Ah, like, I forgot about that. Very, very, like, it had to have been from, like, a previous album recording Dude, this was, like, I dug deep in our Dropbox directories. Like, I went, I went down the rabbit hole and found something, and I was like, oh, this, I was like, this is jazzy enough for the idea I have. And then I think, you know, I had this idea of the idea of coming alive in this song, and then I tried to find old music of ours to fit it, and then the music I found was so good, it almost influenced what I did with the lyrics even further. So it was almost like a great confluence of like us doing things independently, but then meeting in the middle almost. Right. Um, uh, I was uh, just really happy with the fact that this song, uh, so it has a different emotional delivery than most of our music yes. does. I mean, a lot of times our, we have songs that are, I don't know, a little more darker maybe because they are really introspective. Yes. not saying this isn't introspective, but this song really sort of jumps out. It's like it's it's kind of upbeat almost. Would you say you know, it's, that this is our jazziest song to date? Because hmm, I kind maybe. of I kind of uh, think it is pretty jazzy. I uh, I don't know if I want to use the term jazzy to okay. be honest. Okay, but that's maybe fair. like it depends on your view of jazzy. But jazzy sure. can be taken a lot of different ways. And I know my guitar work on it. I wouldn't say is jazzy, but maybe the whole like. Uh, the the whole thing put together kind of has that vibe. Sure, so sure. It's uh, but it has like I don't know the way that you sing the lyrics. Uh, 
it's very uplifting to me, which gotcha. is something I find kind of unusual, like for our music. Definitely, I mean, definitely. I, I also, I guess maybe I'm glad you bring that up. The way the lyrics are presented, because that's something I really have grown to love about this song over the years. Since you were just like, you know, like let's do it, you know. It's like, I and I, I, I have no complaints. It's not like I'm saying, oh, we got this on the album, but I don't like it. No, I love it. But you're right. I think it's jazzy in the sense that I'm. I'm doing so many different things with these lyrics. Like, I mean, that, that was this this was the track that was hardest for me to write the lyrics down to because there's so many line breaks and stuff because I'm like, these aren't the same verse, you know? Um, and I want to use the example, like, you get to that point where it's like I, I start doing very breathy kind of almost staccato things like, let's not get too hasty, not gonna say I'm thriving, not get too hasty time again time and it's like it's like i'm switching back I, that's why i think it's jazzy because it's almost like like oh what fits in the moment type of thing you know like, kind of yeah think of it as like a saxophone player doing like long note short note long note short note but like not in that pattern not in any pattern or anything like that it comes to, uh, it comes off to me as almost like soulful soulful kind of how is a, soulful's how a great word it. for it yeah yeah, I, I I even like I think soulful is good with the time again to come a lot. One of my favorite lines in that. But I also think the when I'm really like you know pushing my voice, the I won't go too fast, too soon, too furious. I'm gonna go through like that's very soulful. I think type of thing. Oh yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, um, that's a that's a beautiful song. Yes, yes, and I, and I think once again it's it's very almost it's introspective. But differently, and I think this goes to this uh, the idea we were mentioning before is that it's a it's not just supposed to be you know there's a thread, not a common motif, you know. And I think where um, "Song Away from Home" was very introspective with like how do my feelings make me feel, almost like you know the um, the circle of what is it feelings um, feelings thoughts and reactions or whatever that is that type of thing, very introspective. This is more about like. Um, uh, a group, you know, I, I think it's very much like I'm saying we a lot in this song. I'm using a plural. I'm saying it's like I don't I think we're going to we're coming alive. We're starting to jive. We're not going to die. That type of thing. Um, and it's and it's very much like, oh, how do other people influence my feelings type of thing? I think it's very much like the next maybe not next step, but another extension of this introspection is that anytime you deal with anybody, you have to think about, you know, like how how do they make you feel? How do you make them feel? One of them is, you know, clearly you're going to be worried about how you're making them feel. That makes you even more introspective. And um, I I like to think that this song is so happy because you should be happy to be thriving with other people and jiving with other people. <laughs> True, yeah. I, it, it, it fits perfectly. Um, yeah, uh, coming to live is always a joy to listen to it, every time I put it on. Even even if it wasn't one you were immediately prepared to put out there, as soon as I heard it, it was like this is this is on the album. We're we're doing this. <laughs> it's like for yeah. me, it was a gift because it was like, oh, that's what I wanted maybe two years ago. Whenever I recorded the music, you know, and then it got put on the back burner because we had other songs we were working on, and then you came up with this and I'm like, Oh man, this is exactly, exactly <laughs> what I wanted. And then you're like, well, I could do better, blah, blah, blah. I was like, uh, no, 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 no. I've never done. Admittedly, I have never done a better take of these lyrics. I mean, the takes of the lyrics exist. They're probably in the folder somewhere and we've put them. They just, they don't, they don't hit that motion. Like, I feel like I had this idea. I found that track. I threw it down. Like I said, listening to it influenced. And I had that one take that I was just like, dude, this is, this is it, you know? And uh, that's why I send it to you. And um, I guess we should mention also, um, if you hear any weird 
uh, little kind of clicking or clapping noises in the background of the song is because in that one take that we have, I was so into singing it that I was drumming on my legs while singing it. And that's the one I thing Matt that. has always I forgot said about to that. me. Matt is always like, God <laughs> damn it, I can't edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, but yeah, the, you can't, you really can't edit that out without taking away something from yeah. the vocal track too. So I'd like but to think would... it adds that emotion now that I was so into it and it, it carry it. Sh- I hope it carries over to the listener that, you know, I was so into it that I had to be like, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we don't have a drummer in our band, so we had to make do ourselves, you know, yes. if that means some leg tapping or <laughs> desk tapping, then that's what it's got to be. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I know you love coming alive uh, very much and I love it too, but you were the proponent for it. anything else you wanted to say about that one i think we pretty much covered it right on right on well then that brings us to uh i think one of the the biggest uh not only the biggest but the first and most noticeable change in the sound of the album farpeggio god where do you even begin about farpeggio i mean that uh, very much a um a a thing that i think uh, i'm more known for with my lyrics like saying something over and over looping it together that type of thing but in a much more darker way than the every time i think about it or something like that the this whole track kind of maybe the best way to frame it is um this whole idea of this song came from i had recently watched the movie flight with denzel washington and that's a movie where like he's a he's a pilot he's like a a raging alcoholic but he's a pilot and his plane is going down and a very crucial scene in the movie like the the big scene of the movie is that the plane is like having problems and he makes the decision to roll the plane, which means that he literally inverts it. So he f- makes the plane go upside down because that does something to prevent it from just crashing and killing everybody on board. And apparently this is based on a real event, that this dude, Denzel Washington is playing, actually did this in real life and like inverted a fucking passenger airplane and saved everybody on board. The movie is all about how it's like, well, he shouldn't have done that. It was against protocol. He was drunk when he did it. And it's about like the FAA trial about it it's a very strange movie but i had watched that recently and the thing that stuck with me was like in what fucking universe would flying a plane upside down do anything to save it i was like does that make actual sense i was like is this movie bullshit or is this like a there's an actual like aerospace thing that i'm not aware of and so i did my research and it turns out that it, it actually is real there's the physics of modern airplanes there is this one weird circumstance that if you fly it upside down, it will get better lift or something and lead to a better crash landing type of thing. It's, it's actually wild. Everybody should look into it. Um, but that's what this song is about with the introspective twist. So the lyrics of this song go things like rolling and rolling and rolling it out. Of course, like the plane, rolling the plane. Timing and timing and timing it out. You know, got to do timing right. Spinning and spinning and spinning it out. That's more about spinning your wheels. I'll get to that in a second. But I basically just say those things over and over. And the idea of this of, of this section of the lyrics was the idea that, you know, oh, when you get something in your head, just like I was talking about with um, Song Away From Home, when you think about it because you thought about it, sometimes you get something in your head, you get something that you have to mull over. Maybe there's like a problem you have to encounter or a decision you have to make. And you, you want to make that decision, 
but you're kind of stagnant. You're spinning your wheels. You keep rolling over on it. You realize that time's running out, but you're just like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. And I think everybody's been there. You just kind of, like, sit in a slump, and you're just like, oh, God, I don't know what to do, you know, and you're kind of stuck in a rut, that type of thing. That's the idea of this song. But I could not let go from the fact that it was based on actual aeroplane, like, physics, um, because if anybody has heard this track already, the very end of this track, possibly the last 30 seconds, I want to say, is a very distorted my voice reading something. Um, I won't read it all here. I will read where it's from, though, because I actually am so glad I wrote this down in our little document with our lyrics, Matt. Everything you hear me reading or, or speaking distortedly at the end of this track, which is very hard to make out except for a few keywords and stuff like that, is an excerpt from, quote, Naval Air Training Command, Flight Training Instruction Manual, Primary contact T thirty four C two thousand three, and it, it is actually about the physics of rollouts in planes and stuff like that. And um, I thought that was pretty cool because not only does it harken back to the inspiration originally for this song, but I also think it is very cool because I I like to think of it as my homage to the Foo Fighters song Everlong. Because if anybody remembers, in that last third of Everlong. There's that moment where you hear Dave Grohl whispering something, and Dave Grohl is whispering himself reading the instructions to a dishwashing machine. And I've always (laughs) loved that fact, and I've always loved Everlong, and so I felt that me reading from this Naval Air Training Command flight training instruction manual was my way of homaging Dave Grohl and the wondrous song that is Everlong. Um, And so uh, that was a lot I threw at you in the audience, Matt. But um, this is a very odd song overall, uh, if you want to comment on that or anything I said in there. I I can't beat that story, man. That's that's a lot more interesting than than my experience recording the the guitar part for the song. Though (laughs) I did have a lot of fun adding Keller over over the main guitar part. Like the main riff is sort of like uh, going over some semi drony like arpeggios yeah um and then adding you know the the fun scrapes and and other kind of distorted noises that go along with it I it was it was a lot scrapes. of fun to record it yeah and i was very happy that it gave you some inspiration uh you know whenever because whenever i got the lyrics back i was like oh i did not expect anything back for this one really yep yep (laughs) and then you came back and it's like ah it's a song now it's great (laughs) but uh yeah that the story about flight that honestly i know we had talked about it but it's been so long ago now i'd completely forgotten that story that's uh that's pretty awesome uh, I know a pilot now. I'm going to have to show this Ooh, song to him and, right and tell, tell him that story. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I'll have to send you the um, – I have the um, the un, you know, the clean version, the written down version of what I read from that flight training instruction manual. Um, it's from 2003. I would love to know if it's uh, – like protocol has changed or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get you an update. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah, we'll do a Farpeggio part two or something like that, you know, and it's just like 15 seconds. Don't roll the plane, you know. <laughs> You're guaranteed you're probably not going to be in that situation (laughs) where that is going to save you. Yes. (laughs) That is the disclaimer for this song. Don't like take this. Don't take it as like truth of God. (laughs) Oh, you have a. Uh, a, a light, a warning light came on, you know, in the pilot cat in the cabin. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. oh, 
I need to roll the plane now. <laughs> it's the only way we're going to survive. I saw Denzel do it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it's a, it's a great song. It's an odd song, and I think it fits you know perfectly. And this is what we were talking about before: is that you know, song away from home, coming alive. Even are we going again? Very upbeat, very you know, earwormy. And then this one comes in there and has a much darker atmosphere, I think, and it really starts to get. It's like, oh, you know, it's not always in the introspective landscape. It's not always the same feeling. It's not always the same atmosphere, for sure. I also like that it kind of winds down the uh, uh, what do we call it? The movement, you know, oh, like sure, like we sure. have this like first movement of the album, and it, you know, it it kind of builds, but then it kind of winds it down as it gets slower in preparation for what I think of as sort of the transition song to the next movement, which would be you know turbulence. Exactly, and I'm glad you said the name of that track because that's one of the things I love about our naming structure and our order of these tracks is that the previous song I was inspired by airplanes, and the next track is called Turbulence. <laughs> um, this one, very few lyrics. This is the part two um, from Are We Going Again originally. Like we said, we don't remember what we called it at the start um, or before we cut it up. Um, I think this song is beautiful. I was so happy to listen to it again for this recording. This is one I need to listen to more. I mean, I think it's so simple. It's so restrained. I love the whole idea of, you know, it's the sound. And I, I think the what we're getting at, or what I was getting at with the lyrics there, was that, um you know, so much of the outside forces impact your feelings. I mean, I, I mean, everybody's felt it. You might be in a glum mood. You might be in a happy mood. You might be in any mood. You're in, you're in mood X. You listen to song Y with a different mood, and it clashes. It influences you, that type of thing. Um, I know for a fact, it's like uh, if, if I'm ever happy, and then I listen to the song Foreground by Grizzly Bear, I get very sad. That's a very sad song to me. Um, I know if I'm ever very glum, I listen to Just the Same by Brand New by St. Vincent. Makes me very happy, even though that's also a very sad song. Um, it's that sound can influence you, and that's the whole thing about, you know, it's the sound, it's the sound, it's the sound bombarding me, molesting me in my ears. Yes, we threw that lyric in there, everybody. But really, what I wanted to mention about this, another highlight, like in the last song I talked about the uh, Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl homage, I, I knew when I was putting these lyrics together, I say, you know, molesting me in my ears, my fears, causing tears to well up in my eyes. Uh, that is 100% a reference to Tears for Fears, one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, it's, I don't say Tears for Fears, I use Fears and Tears in consecutive lines. And uh, I, that is what everybody should... Put that on IMDb trivia, everybody, that Rob is clearly referencing Tears for Fears. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, overall, this is a short song, but it's beautiful. And I think, like you said, it is, um, it is almost a start of the, the next act in this album, right? Right. Uh, so when that was com- conjoined with uh, Are We Going Again, I saw uh, that part as being sort of the emotional breakdown of the song so that Ooh. it could change into the next phase of the song. So like the beginning, sure. of, the, like, the beginning of it, of Turbulence, it's very sort of freeform not like really structured, you know, just sort of strumming some particular chords in a certain way that differentiates it from the part that preceded, which was, are we going again into uh, the next part, which was very, you know, probably like maybe 30 seconds into turbulence is where like the main gist of that song starts, you know? And I just loved how that, uh, what was like a middle breakdown kind of thing turned into an intro for the main part of that song, and I thought it worked perfectly. Yeah, definitely, definitely, absolutely. It's it's beautiful. It's short. It's beautiful. What more can you ask for? I also think, like you were saying, or we were saying, 
that transition into kind of this next phase of the album, this next phase of introspection almost. Because, man, I mean, this next phase, these middle, maybe like, what, four or five songs or something like that. I think Ice Cold Heat is kind of the next transition point. This is where we get a little weird with things, I would say, you know? Um, I mean, and I think this song, track seven, a copy of a part of a whole that no longer exists, this is the one where it's like, you know, um, if we had like an agent or a publicist or a manager, they might have said like, dude, you guys need to pull it back a little bit. This song's a little too out there, I think, you know? (laughs) Nothing's too out there for the Immortal Lands fairies. you goddamn right, man. <laughs> but, I mean, okay, so this song has a lot of lyrics. I think it has the most lyrics of any of these songs so far, uh, at least individual lyrics, that type of thing. Um, I'm actually glad to say, you know, uh, uh, something you'll hear me sing a lot in this song is the word simulacrum. Um, if you've listened to this podcast before, uh, when Zach and I went through our series on the Matrix movies, I talk a lot about what a simulacrum is, about what you know it means to those movies, what it means to the interpretation of those movies. But if anybody does not remember, a simulacrum is a representation of something that no longer has an original. So, for example, the Matrix in the Matrix movies is a simulacrum. It is not a simulation. A, it's a simulacrum because nobody can leave the Matrix and go have a regular human life. The Matrix is a simulacrum, a copy of regular human life as we know it, like we in the real world know it, but nobody in that universe can go back and have that human life because human life has been destroyed like that by the machines, that whole thing. Synecdoche is a different word. Synecdoche is a part, no, a usage of speech in which you say something to represent a a specific subset, but while referring to it as the whole. It's a, it's a really difficult concept to understand. Let me give you an example. Matt, how about this? Have you ever been out, you know, maybe not you specifically, but I'm sure you've heard it. You go somewhere, you go out to a bar, you go out to a restaurant, whatever. You're with somebody. Baseball game's on. Uh, baseball game's on the TV. Buddy or you, whoever, or you hear somebody at the bar, they go, man, I hope Pittsburgh wins. The, Pittsburgh is a city. The city of Pittsburgh cannot win a baseball game. But it is very well understood that what they mean is that I hope the team from Pittsburgh wins. Right, yeah. That is an example of synecdoche, where they are saying the whole of something when they mean a specific subset of it. So if you say, I hope Pittsburgh wins the World Series, the the city of Pittsburgh can not physically or comprehensively win a World Series. The Pittsburgh Pirates have to win a World Series. That is an example of synecdoche. So... For whatever reason, when I came up with these lyrics, I was very interested in both of these ideas. And the whole concept of the song is how do those two things blend together? How can we use a synecdoche, a very common usage of speech, because people do this all the time, you know? Um, It's like um, when people say, the city. Uh, When I'm from New York, of course, as the Cinemonian says, people say, the city. The city is a very vague term, but when you're in New York, everybody knows you mean the five boroughs, and probably more specifically, Manhattan in New York City. Um, But if you just go somewhere and say, the city, that is vague and nonsensical. I was so interested with the idea of how can you be so common with a usage of speech for something that might no longer exist in a simulacrum or something like that. And I was just like, let's just jam these two things together. Here we go. And then I blended that, or not blended, but, you know, evolved that into the idea of, you know, looking at some of the lyrics. Um, 
you know, I'm no, I have no feeling of completion. I'm just a rat in a wheel, a simulacrum. You know, no part to play, just a shell, a simulacrum. I'm a placeholder that's meant to be here. This is really the, the song that's getting at the idea of it's like, you know, like, what am I? Like, what's my purpose type of thing? You know, what's my existential existence? It's maybe the most introspective idea on that on that topic. And the lyrics go on, you know, the, the lyrics go on for quite a bit with a lot of different ideas and stuff like that. Um, I remember, Matt, maybe to transition to what you think about this song, I remember in that time when we were together in Pittsburgh, we were hanging out, maybe taking a break, maybe it wasn't even on the day we were recording our music, we were just listening to it or something, or mastering or whatever, and... Uh, I was like, I basically said this whole thing to you. I was like, this is what a simulacrum is. This is what a synecdoche is. That's what I think about this song. And you were like, dude, I just thought it was a really cool song. I never really thought about that much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still picking up the pieces of my brain. Okay. <laughs> Mind blown, man. <laughs> Ever since we um, first uh, you first explained it to me, I think. <laughs> yes, yes. But but I mean, it does. I, I really, uh, I feel like I, I tried to put a lot of emotion in some of these lyrics. I know the part that you and I latched onto the most is that middle section. The, um, I'm a part of a cult with no following. I, I'm part of a stage play put on with no audience. You know, that I type of thing. I love that line, yeah. Um uh, yeah, and I would also point out this is probably on this album. I'd say this is probably our heaviest song as far mm. as like really getting uh, some some meaty like nasty guitar tones, you know, some distortion, uh, fun stuff like that. If people are fans Definitely. of that or metal or whatever, you're gonna get a little bit of that in this song. Yes, and on that note, I do want to highlight the editing and the sound effects we did at that middle of the, uh, no, I don't know, oh, but woe is me, right? And we take, we, like, strip out all these effects for the first right, and then I repeat right, like, four or five times, and each time I say right again, it adds more effects, more echoes, and it's like, like, I'm like, that is the idea of the introspective landscape that you just keep asking yourself the same question, and it's the same words, but every time the meaning and the sound changes. Yeah, so this was, that was one of the ones we had a lot of fun with when you came to Pittsburgh, and mm-hmm. we uh, mm-hmm. we finished everything up. <laughs> oh, but woe is me, right? Right, 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 It's it's so good. It's so good. It's one of those songs that's like so long and so dense and so sonically what you're doing. Like you said, it's heavy, but it's also so creative. It's one of those things where it's like, God, how much can we say about it other than just giving the meaning of it? You really got to go listen to it. Like it's one of the things that I don't think we can do justice talking about it. It really is an experience, you know. One might even call it a psychedelic experience. Yeah, I I would say so as well. Um, you you know what a true experience is. Making a fool of yourself. <laughs> we are Does track experts. H- <laughs> oh, God, we are. Um, I, I think together and individually, absolutely. God, uh, all the times I've, all the weird things I've said in front of classrooms while teaching that I'm just like, Jesus Christ, that was wrong with me. Um, but no, this song might not need any explanation. Track eight, gonna make a fool of myself. There is no one in the world that has not felt what this song is explicitly talking about. And I think the whole point of that, the the whole idea of having that notion and realizing that no one's a stranger to this feeling is the actual impetus to put the line, but it's too late. You've already made a a fool of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, um, So just to sort of like talk about this track a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I had 
a blast recording it, and this was one that really went into the depths of uh, being very experimental for my methodology anyway, because uh, it I recorded it in a way I don't normally record most tracks. Uh, like I started out with these like very dissonant chords, uh, like mm-hmm. it's really kind of one chord. I, I couldn't even tell you what chord it is now, but. Sure. I'm strumming different part, different strings, you know, at different parts of the chord as as I'm playing it. So it sort of comes, sounds like there might be different chords there. But um, I basically put that on like a loop, you know, on repeat with my looper pedal, and then I got on my uh, synthesizer and started playing. Uh, you play like I imagined the sound that I wanted to go with it, and I started playing uh, to that, and I got. Uh, something set up on the synthesizer or the sequencer going along with it that I was able to then riff over uh, playing some lead stuff on the synthesizer. And it's something I don't normally do a whole lot of. I don't really normally play the synthesizer in general. Uh, usually I have somebody else do that for me because I'm sure. not, I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert at it. Uh, I think um, uh, on our last album we had Sean on the synthesizer right. for a few tracks. Yeah, yeah and yeah. On, uh, yeah, on the first album too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we had some live jams uh, with Sean, a friend of ours from college. Uh, yep. That put forward some awesome uh, synth parts. And uh, so this time I was just sort of experimenting with the sounds I could get. I was trying to use this really dissonant chord that I was strumming in a sort of weird strum pattern in a way that would be rhythmic. Uh, so I wanted it to be like the rhythm guitar part, but almost like the... Uh, the beat of the song to a certain sense and you hear it at the very Mm -hmm. beginning that's when you hear it most and what's really cool is like there's so many parts that get layered over this at certain parts of the song you don't even really notice that anymore even though it's playing pretty much the entire way through the song uh but you you won't really hear it once the rest of the the song comes in and it's really a interesting way of just sort of layering and layering things on top of each other to get these cool sounds. And I think it's a, a good comparison to Song Away From Home where I said, like, I can still – I can listen to it either as a whole or as its parts. I can't do that for this song. Like, this song gels so well, it's like, you know, the puzzle pieces lock together and glue themselves together, you know? right. Uh, there's and and it, it fits sort of perfectly like that Rob made the lyrics the way that he did because like whatever I was recording the song with uh, my synthesizer which is a Roland JDXI is what I was using I want to point that out just because it like totally glitched out on me as I was using it <laughs> and recording this and I kept the I kept the I guess you'd call it a mistake I call, I'd say it was a happy accident. Because yes. it just, uh, so I was getting like, you know, regular kind of uh, wave sounds out of it, you know, not a whole lot of fanciness. And then whenever I would hit a certain combination of keys, the thing would just start like making the sound like it was rolling its R's, like, like really, really, <laughs> like you can hear this vibrato that's going really, really fast and this. It's just it's a R rolling sound that it's making the tone, and it happens at a part of the song that just makes it sound like it's taking off. You know, it sounds really yes. energetic, and uh, it fit perfectly with it. And then the only problem I had to deal with going forward once I got that was like, I need this. <laughs> I want this to happen again. I hope it happens again. And it it just so happened every time I get got that one particular combination of keys, it would trigger this behavior that 
you wouldn't I wouldn't get out of it any other way I was playing it. So I don't know if I found some kind of bug in it or maybe like I had the thing <laughs> running too long or something. I don't know. I don't know what it no, was. It, it really is so cool. There's a moment that I uh, that you just, you know, emphasized when you put that track, that sound to it that I I think it's oh god. I mean there's a strong argument that I could make that this is my favorite song of ours on this album. Like, I love this song so much. Um, but that moment near the end where I'm really trying to just, like, belt it out, you know, that I made a fool of myself, that I made a fool. And then after I do that fool, it's like, Wah! you know, it's like a screech comes in. And it's like, it it should be on paper. It should be like, oh, my God, like. My ears are bleeding, but it fits so well, like we were saying. It's it's literally perfect. I It, it also goes to to show what we were this what we were explaining earlier about how you know there is no uh, pattern that was followed for this album. Uh, every yeah. song is different in its own way, in its own way. This song is pretty much an electronica song uh, for us, where yeah. like you know we are we started out with an instrumental acoustic. We have some other acoustic songs, some electric like kind of rock songs. Uh, yeah, that uh, heavy song was the last one talked about a, a copy of a part of a whole that no longer exists uh yeah. and then it goes into this electronic song you know so there's a little bit of something for everybody <laughs> exactly exactly uh just like in your own minds there's something for every part of your mind absolutely no i mean honestly like i said i that was the one thing i i, I don't want to be like you know oh what's our favorite song on this album because they're all our favorite they're all our babies you know that type of thing but man this is the one where every time i listen to it i'm like God, this is so much fun to listen to, you know? It's like when I listen to, uh, say, Song Away From Home, a great song, I always have that thought in my back of my head. I mean, like, every time I think about it, I think about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's dumb, you know? <laughs> this song, I'm just like, God, holy shit, is this so much fun to listen to, you know? Um, and then even when, when you throw in some of the um, the instrument, like the instrumental and stuff like that, I mean, th- there's just so much going on. And I, I think it, uh, I don't actually don't have this pulled up. It is, if not the longest, one of the longest tracks on the album. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think, like 540 or something like that. 539. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that and one's... then, oh my God, that riff that you got the um when I when I start singing, I'm on repeat. The buonana, 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 bop, 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 like that's so catchy. Oh my God, I love it. I, I, it's a fucking great song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It it we we struck again. We did it again. This probably this was yes. was the one that would have been the potential second single had we had we gone that route. I think definitely. that it was definitely in definitely. the running. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's such a such a good song. Um, very introspective as well. I think, you know, of course, it's the, uh, you don't want to make a fool of yourself, but maybe you should let go and realize you already have. And I think, uh, I've used that take a lot in my own personal, uh, events of public speaking where, you know, whatever I get up and say to this crowd of people that I don't know, uh, it's not going to be worse than the things I've already made a fool of myself with. It's too late. <laughs> <laughs> Another, uh, once again, we're in this kind of middle act, you know, very introspective, really getting at all these things we set up at the start of this episode. May, I, I would actually maybe say quite possibly the most introspective song on the album, uh, like in terms of speaking about actual introspection, of Two Minds, track nine. 
Like, it's a, it's a literal recognition of that, you know, your brain works different ways type of thing. It's not realizing, like in Song Away From Home, that your brain reacts to how you think about things or why you think about things. It's not even, you know, a copy of a part of a whole that no longer exists where you might be doubting the way you think about things. This is literally saying, well, no, I, I uh, am of two minds. Like, I, I am not in agreement with myself. <laughs> Cognitive dissonance. <laughs> yes! Perfect, perfect. That's exactly the phrase. Um, and also, with that being said, this is one of the ones I wanted to highlight, as we were talking about earlier. Um, strong level of refinement here, I think. Like, this is not a flash in the pan. I think there's a lot of different, not only a, a lot of different takes of the vocals that I gave you, a lot of different passes on what parts of the vocals to use, when to fade them out, when to fade them in, using different channels because we have the, you know, left and right and the of two minds and that type of thing. Um, I know that you messed with the guitar parts. I think we have a few different versions in our folders from what I've looked at with this. Um, but, man, this this was definitely one where, you know, a lot of the stuff I sent you vocally, I know got left on the cutting room floor, and rightfully so. The way that these lyrics play with each other is the best possible version, I think, in this final track on the album. Especially with that intro. Because for everybody, if you've listened to this song, the intro starts with like this weird like radio filter you put over my voice. Like, one on the left, one on the right, always listening to another. Like... And then eventually it fades out. Like, one on the left, and it fades out. Dude, I had like a minute worth of vocals that I gave you for that. And <laughs> you were just like, no, 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 we don't need it. It's like, Matt, Matt was very rightly, like, restraint. Like, we don't need that. You're getting at that later at the song when you're, when you're arguing with yourself, basically. Let this be the fact, like, you're setting it up and they're breaking down, and then the instrumental comes in to set the stage. Like, pure, pure perfection and exemplification of why we work so, so well together with music, where I never would have thought about that. Where you were like, no, Rob, cut this out, let it fade out, like, let it be an intro. You say all the things here that you're going to say later, so why the fuck repeat ourselves, you know? Yep. And it, it just comes out so well. And, oh my god, the when that comes in, the, um, you know, always listening to each other, battling one another, one on the left, and you do that weird, like, drag down on my voice, <laughs> when your guitar comes in at that point, it is so heavy, it is so impactful, you know, oh my god, it hits me every time. <laughs> well, this is probably the song that I'm most proud of, it's definitely one of the songs I'm most proud of on this nice. album, like, like Rob mentioned, going to make a fool of myself. This is his favorite. This one might be my favorite just because I did put a lot of time into this song in particular, right. trying to get it right, uh, especially the like guitar tones. And the fact that it worked was sort of miraculous because like, you'll notice it, it, when you listen to it, the the guitar tones shift a lot throughout the song. The mm -hmm. the, the song itself changes quite a bit. And uh, at a certain part, about maybe two minutes into the song, it has probably my favorite guitar tone I've ever done in any of Ooh. our music. And it's like, okay. I don't know what it is about it, but it has this beautiful sound. I'm certain I was using my music man to play it. Uh, I, but it, 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 it's a very clean tone, extremely clean. And it sounds so good. And then it, it goes, it plays the part. I play the part for maybe like, uh, I don't know, one or two repetitions. And then the, it gets, it drops, it gets deeper, like really yeah. deep, you know, and the song fills yep. out. And that was just changing the pickup on my guitar, you know, but it works so perfect, like to, to build up that part of the song. Uh, but I, I, this one I've heard probably uh, the most feedback from, from our friends too, is being okay. like this. Nice. 
this guitar tone is fantastic. You know, I love everything about that. And then the Rob basically created the perfect lyrics uh, for this song too, as far as you are getting very disparate guitar parts that are sort of brought together. So it is that dissonance within, you know, one mind, you know, I had a lot of ideas that I was putting together and they're not like, blended into each other they're not like really transitioning blended into each other the the song has a bunch of movements and it changes sort of abruptly whenever it does uh but all for the better i think absolutely i'm glad you bring that up because i i do want to highlight that um one of my favorite things this god you're right this is a really good song um this might have some of my favorite lyrical ideas because there are i'm pretty sure three instances where i am singing and a line just cuts off in the middle, and it changes like motif. And that was the whole idea. It was that you know, like um, you know, it's like at the end of the first one, it's like my two minds keeping me from all that will. Changing guitar part, no more lyrics, and it's like cut off. And at the first time it happens, you might be like, oh, okay, you know. Um, second time when it's like my two minds will keep me growing and change again, and it's like, well, and what you know? And then it's like I swear I'm gonna keep you from. And it's like, I love that idea that you're of two minds. You, you start having this one thought, you get so into it, and then boom, other mind comes in. Yep, like, that just cuts you off. It's, God, I love that idea. Moving on, right? It's like yes, the, the other yes. part's just keeping you going. <laughs> I also want to highlight, because I, it's, it's something that I had also kind of forgotten about from not listening to this album for a few months and listening it f- for this recording, um, that, that little bridge in the middle where you're doing some beautiful guitar tones. It might be part of what you were mentioning, but the, um, my two minds stunt my growth. My two minds make me slow. And the way that that comes out is just like, it's so weird, you know? (laughs) Right. It's that. And then the transition from that to the part immediately pretty much following it is, uh, Mm -hmm. It goes well. It goes into this like peppier. I would say it gets a lot more peppy. At it that gets point. peppy, yeah. and then it goes into this like spacey kind of thing too, where it starts getting like sort of I don't know. I want to call it like wobbly or something. Like yeah, like it gets yeah. into a very like weird, almost uh, I don't want to say drugged out, but almost like tired <laughs> out. You know, kind sure, of sure. Like like mental exhaustion, and you're taking your breath as as I do these arpeggios at a, uh, after that part, leading into the the guitar tone part I was talking about earlier. And I love sure, that sound because sure. I think that you know it fits perfectly, you know, with the idea of this battle going on in your head. Uh, to quote, you know, one of our favorite bands, "The War Inside My Head." <laughs> yes. It's... Oh my God, that probably subconsciously was thinking about that song because I absolutely love that track. Um, that's probably my favorite track from the long version of Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence, not the um, the track version of Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. <laughs> um, I also want to highlight at the end of the song another great effect from you. The last line of di- of lyrics in this song is, "My two minds will work together." But you put had the great idea. My two minds will work together, you know. And so the together gets blended, and it's still just like, oh shit, you know. There's no happy ending. There's still that question mark at the end of this song. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Love that stuff. Love that stuff. It's, it's like an ellipsis then question mark, you know, because yes, it's got to trail off a little bit. Got to leave the listener yes. thinking. You want, you know, you want to, them to, or I want the listener to. Uh, <laughs> imagine you know use their own minds and sort of finish the sentences <laughs> definitely definitely and and i think then after 
of two minds that little that second act as we were calling it you know that very introspective part i think track 10 ice cold heat the other instrumental track um the one that i truly first thought about as a journey that you bring us through this is kind of our next transition point and dude i mean if if i i mean i said it for probably every track leading up to this but like ice cold heat is so worth listening to i mean matt you've sent me so many instrumental tracks throughout the years this is the one that I think it, you know, it's on the album because man, I, it, it's perfect. It's, it's beautiful. It's so engrossing. I mean, I think it's two minutes longer than start somewhere while going nowhere, at least two minutes. Um, you go through so many things and, um, I think I only have two additions to this song. One's near the end where I was like, put on like the orchestra thing, like a bomb, bump, 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 you know, at the very end. Yep. But I have to say, I think my favorite part of this track, well, maybe not favorite because you do so much good stuff. The intro to this track is truly phenomenal. The idea to put over that filter to make it sound like it's coming through a vinyl record that's popping. Yep. You know, and when you're doing the acoustic strums. Like an old 40s radio kind of sound. Yes, exactly. Everybody go listen to this. I'm God, I might even have to put the clip in because it's so fucking good. The first, like, 20, 15, 20 seconds of the song is just Matt strumming on acoustic guitar. Very simple, very intro, but it, like we said, it's through, like, a vinyl filter. It's through, like, this old 40s radio type of thing. It, it sounds very crackly. And then when the electric guitar comes in, the moment—I remember we spent a lot of weird, meticulous, like, one one-thousandth of a millisecond time trying to find the right place to, to put this transition when we were editing it. But when Matt comes in with the electric guitar, that filter falls off, and it is literally like listening to the doors of heaven open. It is such a great goddamn fucking sound to go from like, you know, like everything treble, no bass, to full sonicness surrounding you. Oh my god, I love it so goddamn much, man. <laughs> it makes it really sound fucking massive, you know, like... Like, absolutely like you start out the listening weight to that it, it puts on it yep. and and it's also sort of like um uh trying to get around expectations you know like like i want to fool your ears a little bit play uh, play it with these frequencies first and then it'll give you it gives us that shock factor once every once yes. the spectrum widens and then you hear and and it's not like where I added a bunch of you know instruments or anything whenever whenever we did that it's it's just it, it's just you hear all of the you hear first of all I start doing like bigger chords and then there's a mm-hmm. electric guitar that starts playing a very gentle kind of lead part uh, yep and just even though it's like not you know it's not like a whole band or anything it's not like you're hearing trumpets and trombones and stuff making it sound bigger it's just the way the track is. And then uh, it giving you more of the frequency spectrum at that point in time, and it absolutely it really seals that uh, that intro and makes it much better as far as like leading into the rest of the song. I think, yeah. I, I absolutely love that idea, and, and just to get it, I think that's one of the reasons that we love the name, or ended up sticking with the name Ice Cold Heat so much, because I think that juxtaposition, like Ice Cold Heat, very contradictory, 
um, you know, almost oxymoronic title. The thing that I I picked up on with what you just said, and I'm I'm glad you said it because, you know, it's not like you're hearing trumpets and and a full orchestra or anything like that. It's not like it's big band music. You're hearing a, a singular instrument, well, you know, guitar with, you know, different layers and stuff like that, of course, because you do great layering and that type of thing. I think it's more like a rainstorm. You ever been inside and you're like sitting near a window and you're like, it's raining outside. Some of those raindrops, all the rain droplets are the same. They're all water. Maybe some are bigger. Maybe some are smaller. It's all the same instrument though. Some of them hit your window. Some of them hit your window and make a big splash, you know, but you still hear the ones that are in the distance that hit the ground or, so- or your windowsill or something like that, you know, or the trees outside. And it's like, that is the beauty of what one instrument can do. And I think this song is a testament to that fact. I mean, Matt, uh, I mean, you have sent me many masterpieces throughout the years. Uh, this is one of them. I fucking love this song so much. <laughs> it's a real journey. You know, this this yes, track is a, yes. is it's something very contemplative. Like you could listen to it. And that that's one thing I do like about the instrumental tracks on here is that you can fully r- write your own story to it, you know, and it does Absolutely. have movements and. It builds uh, and changes and evolves, and that's sort of the point of the song, which also ties into the name Ice Cold Heat. It's kind of like the change of phases, you know? It goes from very drastically different places uh, in this song. Strongly recommend people check it out. Though I I will say this is probably the most uh, time-intensive track on the album. I think this one actually is the longest Ah. one. We thought it was the other one, but this is... uh, about six and a half minutes. We Ooh, okay. really outdid ourselves there. Though I have to say, <laughs> it's still not it's still not as long as what we've done in some of our past albums. We've done some pretty long jams in the past. Yep, that's true. That's true. Ice Cold Heat is fantastic. It's a it's a great name. It's a great motif. It's a great song. I mean, oh my god, it adds so much. And um, it, it's also like we said, the transition into the uh, the third and final act of this album. Um, and uh, this is where I really think it comes into play. The idea that I was getting at at the start. Uh, well, when we worked together on it, but I was mentioning earlier that it was like, what if you were at an open mic night? You know, I, I love that these last few tracks really get into just all oh, off the wall. Everything's so different. Of course, track 11 kicks this off with um, the Flyer Lake, which I have to say, I know I've told Matt this before. I want to remind him of it and I want to tell our audience my inspiration for this song, because it was another one that I had these lyrics and I dug through our back files, our back catalog of just Matt's instrumental and I was like let me see if I can find one that fits this idea and I found this and I was like dude here we go this song is basically I sat down and I said what if somebody recapped an episode of the X-Files at a dive bar that's (laughs) what I think of this song as because of course if you heard it you know it's about um, somebody's or the singer's encounter with some creature type of thing how it scared them how it um burned their eyes, turned their hair gray, you know, they couldn't run, they couldn't stay, very much in a sense of fear. And I was like, well, what if somebody, like, just set the stage here. What if you were, like, you know, traveling across country, doing a drive or something like that, and then one night you have to stop somewhere to get something to eat, you know? Maybe you're not stopping to stay the night, but you're really hungry, and you're, like, out of the way, and you're just like, okay, hey, I see this place on the side of the road. I'm going to stop there. I'll get something quick to eat. It'll be fine. I'll get out of, out of there, whatever. And it's a small little bar, you know, one of those things you see in movies and TV shows only, basically. You get in there, you order something, maybe you order the safest thing on the menu, you know. You're not getting any, anything with mayo because the mayo might be bad, you know, anything like that. You're getting, like, just the, the common turkey sandwich, whatever. You sit down, you're ready to eat your meal. They got a stage. It's a dive bar. Someone gets on stage. Very low bass line comes in. Somebody just... 
like doing a light guitar, uh, light drum part, and this guy gets up and going, "Burn in my like a like a Tom Waits deep just telling a story." Like, dude, I had this whole image in my head when I was writing this song, and I actually think we conveyed it well, and I hope people get that from it. Like, I want people when they listen to this very short song, just be like, "I'm listening to a stranger tell me an unbelievable story about an encounter they had." in the dingiest out-of-the-way place I've ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really love that interpretation and, and how you built that out of, of the track that I created. This is another mm-hmm. one of those examples where, uh, you know, I had a completely different idea whenever I was re- recording the music, but often how it works, you know, I'll have whatever idea, I'll create the music, and then I want to just see what Rob does with it, let him run with sure. it. It, might, it doesn't need to be the same idea that I had. And I think that fits really well. And after listening to it all together, it gives me like, like you're saying, uh, X Files and like a dive bar. I, I, I imagine almost the Twin Peaks kind of feel to it, Ooh, and especially sure, from the sure. return. And uh, dude, oh my god! I, okay, uh, if Twin Peaks, if David Lynch ever does a season four of Twin Peaks in what 2085, um, th- this we would have to perform at the Bang Bang Bar at the end of an episode yes. for sure. <laughs> But my initial, my initial like inspiration, I guess, for it was I wanted to make a song that was like it was very much inspired by the concept of hell, you know, and okay. it was, uh, you know, the flare lake is sort of like the lake of fire and flaying, you yep. know, removing skin, all that kind of nasty stuff. And uh, but I sort of had a image of it like what if, you know, the devil was musical in a sense you know, sort of like, you know, the robot devil in Futurama. He's like a Ooh, very musical okay. kind of guy, but obviously it's not that kind of music. But that was that was kind of the idea behind the song. I wanted to go somewhere, yeah. somewhere very different from what I had before. And that was the inspiration for it. Like if there is sure, a hell sure. and there's a, you know, a devil, what kind of music he jamming to it's like it's probably something like this and everybody wants to say it's all oh, he's listening to metallica or black sabbath or something it's like no he's not listening to that <laughs> he's listening to, uh, to the flare lake <laughs> exactly one one random group of people at one random dive bar played this song once and it's the devil's favorite song in existence <laughs> <laughs> there isn't even a a a fiddle in it either <laughs> yes yes exactly <laughs> the devil went down to the middle of nowhere uh, you know that type of thing um no i also want to mention that um uh well two things i do want to mention uh while i set this very i set the stage and you might be saying uh the audience might be saying thinking well that's very extrospective you know you're watching somebody else do something i do think this song could be interpreted as you know there's there's not a single line in this song that talks about like the creature being something external it could very much be like i never saw it coming not my way i tried to want run knew i couldn't stay i tried to run and just fell away it could be your bad thoughts creeping up on you it could be your negative emotions creeping up on you, absolutely. They burn your eyes. They turn your hair gray. You never see it coming. You don't know when you're going to think bad about yourself, you know? this I think it could be very much a metaphor, maybe not specifically for depression, but, like, for depression as the general sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, I mean, it's not like, you know, the monster is never, you know, revealed necessarily. Exactly. It, the only thing we get close to is the growling at the end, but I think growling could be anything, you know? It could be your own uh, manifestation of, you know, that could be you growling. 
listening to it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and on that topic, the other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, I don't know if Matt remembers this, but it was something that we cut out very quickly. And I remember when I first sent this song to you, I said, Matt, threw that little last bit in there as a joke. Uh, you can feel free to cut it out. I don't think we ever really talked about it. You just cut it out and we went through it. Um, the first time I ever sent Matt this song, and yes, everybody, I still do have a copy of this. The song plays exactly as it sounds at the album. When you get to the end of the song where there's like the like the growling, which I that is a creative commons clip of some animal I found growling mixed with me growling. Like I tried to layer them to get a weird effect type of thing. Um, but that happens and it's like, what a sight that creature was. And you, and you trail off with the, in the first version of the song I ever sent Matt to this, after the song ends, after everything I just described, I put a kitten meowing in. (laughs) That's right. I forgot about it. uh, And I was like, Matt, that's just a joke. I think it kind of ruins the point of the song, but I thought it'd be really funny. And we just kind of cut it out very rightfully so. But just so everybody knows, there is a version out there in our Dropbox where this whole song plays out. And at the very end, you hear, meow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think I I took, and you you did say that too. And I think I I, I just was like, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it was fun. It was more, I felt like it was more of a joke for me listening to it than for yeah, the purpose of Yeah, it was definitely like, a, like a, an editor's note kind of joke. And I, it was just like, man, I, like, while I was finishing this up, I thought this would be the funniest goddamn thing. You know, be like, oh, this creature, this creature was coming my way. I couldn't run. It was so scary. It turned my hair gray. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. <laughs> maybe, maybe someday we'll have to do some like comic, comedic reinterpretations of yeah. some of our songs. Like, <laughs> But yes, we'll, we'll yes. put that on on this special edition album we'll do. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, oh man, that's good. Flare Lake is a great song. I actually, I'm so happy with how that came out. And I think that is the other one, along with a copy of a part of a whole that no longer exists. One of those tracks that is just like this is so different from anything we've ever done before. Like, like the the atmosphere of it, the the storytelling narrative narrative of it. Like it's so different, but it fits so well in this motif of this album. And so, you know, I mean, also speaking of that, speaking of something that we haven't really done anything like before track 12, pleasantly discontent. (laughs) The one I pushed for that. I was like, God damn it, Matt, this is so good. Yeah. This is the music I really want to make because Matt knows me. And I think the cinema audience, if you've heard my takes on music before, there's two things I really love in music, like truly love, like I'll always be a sucker for, it's female vocalists and very soft songs. I love when they're together, it's even better. But, you know, when they're separate, I also love them just as well. And um, this song, this was one of the ones, Matt, like we said earlier, you just threw this to me with a, in a bundle of a lot of other recordings. And you said something like, yeah, it's just a work in progress. I just threw it down, you know. I haven't really cleaned it up or anything. And I came back with, I was like, got the lyrics for it, man. And you were like, oh, okay, should I do another take? And just like uh, Coming Alive, the flip side of it, I was like, nope, dude, that's it has to be on there oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it, i love how it sounds it fits perfectly with the idea behind the song which you know we i guess this is maybe a theme or motif that we've revisited a couple times with the juxtaposition you know pleasantly discontent and i i felt like it was sort of uh you know putting on uh, you know, whenever you might not be happy, but you got to, you know, have a smile, that kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. I also think, you know, um, uh, one of my favorite lines in this is, uh, they ask me how I'm doing. Objectively, I'm fine. They ask me how I'm doing all the time. I love that line. Objectively, I'm fine. Because like for, for anybody's feelings, for your feelings, 
for my feelings, for any individual person's feelings, what is the level of objectiveness? Like, what is that? I, I, that's where I was getting at, where it's like, you know, oh, like you said, maybe I have to put a smile on for people. But it's like, is anybody doing okay? What is a baseline of okay? What is happy for me might not be happy for anybody else, you know? Or for literally anybody else type of thing. Right. Um, and I, I love that idea. I love that objectively I'm fine. I love that line. And then I also think that this song is another one that goes into um, some of the earlier ones we talked about where there's, there's like this little extrospective sense to it where, you know, it starts with the, um, you know, almost like an apology song. You know, I, I really like that aspect, those first two like verses where it's like, I know it's been a while for you. I know I've taken a year or two, but I'm just calling to say that things have been pleasantly discontent. And, you know, it's and then it goes into the I know I've taken way too long, but I know you could have sung my song. It's almost like it's getting at the idea of like if you get so into your head, you might be remembering relationships you've had in your past. I'm not talking like intimate or anything. I'm talking any relationship that you might have let fall by the wayside and you feel bad about it. That's what this song's kind of getting at. And then also, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention, of course, we were writing these songs in the uh, in the midst of the coronavirus thing in America, in the world. And uh, so very much the line, which I deliver fantastically, might I pat myself on the back for. Um, it's been a rough year back through May, and I know, and I know, I know, I'm pleasantly discontent. So I had to throw a month in there. I, I like that idea, you know, it's like... The person saying, maybe there's a reason I haven't talked to you in so long, but that's not my, that's not my fault, but I also know it is kind of my fault. I'm pleasantly discontent. It's, it's, it's this, oh God, so much, so much emotion going on in this song. And this is one of the ones that just kind of got slapped together and shouldn't really exist. <laughs> I couldn't put it better myself. <laughs> that's, uh, that's all 100% accurate. And <laughs> I would strongly recommend if you have a friend you haven't heard from in a while or you want to reach out to, send them this track. What, it's like two minutes, 15 seconds? It's not a very long track, right? But it's very beautiful. And, uh, you know, oh, that's the other thing. That's, I, I, I'm glad I looked at the lyrics again because I wanted to mention this line. Uh, the um, uh, Maybe we'll see each other one more time. Maybe we'll sing together. Maybe even rhyme. <laughs> that's brilliant. I really like that. That's... I really like that. That has a lot of emotion for me. I remember when I sang that, and I, I was like, you know, I really think that means a lot coming from the heart for me. And it's like, you know, because some people do that. Sometimes you hang out with somebody, and it's like, yeah, you know, we're hanging out. We're singing together. But it's like sometimes you click with somebody, and sometimes you rhyme. And uh, so, yeah. Send it to send it to your friends, everybody. You have somebody you haven't talked to in a while, send them this song. If, if anything, if they just ignore you, they're a loser. So you drop them. You're better off. The best thing is you're going to come back and be like, what did you just send me? You know, <laughs> <laughs> then you have a conversation starter. <laughs> exactly. And then you can say you're pleasantly discontent. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. Track 13. Another one of my favorites on this album. Maybe more introspective in the sense of an idea I've been really interested in. I mean, I think it's introspective in the sense of the human scale, if that makes sense. But let me let me just lay this out. Let me just lay this out. Matt, are you familiar with the YouTube channel and YouTube uh, kind of creator, Badlands Chugs? Not off the top of my head. <laughs> okay. Uh, Badlands Chugs, uh, I believe his real name is Eric Booker. He is a professional eater, and he has a YouTube channel called Badlands Chugs that uh, Justin and I watch very regularly. Um, but basically, every video, he just chugs a different drink. Like, he's a professional chugger, um, which is drinking a liquid incredibly fast. We got into him... 
And, you know, we started watching him. It's, it's like, enthralling to just get it, like, see what this guy can do, that type of thing. And, you know, after, you know, watching him for maybe a week or so, I start to think, like, this is pretty crazy, right, that he can do this. And Justin's like, well, yeah, that's why we're watching it. I'm like, no, 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 not, not that he can do this, that the body can do this. Because he is a very obese man. He is massive. He, I don't know how much he weighs, but he is a big dude, you know? Like, when he holds things, they look like toys because he's so big. And I was like, it's kind of crazy that this man can just chug this much liquid for a living, releasing a video, like, every few days where other human bodies, like, get leukemia and die when they're two. Like, get cancer and die when they're two. And I'm like, isn't that wild? Isn't that kind of weird? And he's like, yeah, I guess. And I'm like, no, you're not thinking how weird it is, you know, how crazy it is. And so I figured I had to write a song about the idea of, you know, oh, how does the body amaze me? (laughs) (laughs) I And that's what this song is about. I mean, of course, I, I would love to hear other interpretations of it, because, of course, you know, as Matt said, I like to write my lyrics in a very uh, open-ended way. But, I mean, this track is literally inspired by the, how some human bodies can withstand things and some basically can't withstand anything. Um, I mean, you know, the body is... It amazes me, but it is also a maze to me. And I think that's everybody. That's the introspective landscape part of this is that this, our bodies are just a part of our introspection. Whether we're thinking about how we're feeling, it's also about how we're taking care of ourselves. And some people take care of themselves by, you know, working out and going to the gym five days a week uh, by eating healthy and that type of stuff. Some people take care of themselves by chugging gallons of soda five times a week on YouTube and that type of thing. It's a very strange concept to me, Matt. I, I, I can't get over it. And I'm very happy that we got to write a song about it and uh, put it on one of our albums. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, an incredible song, too. I mean, this... Uh, yes. It, you know, I had to listen to it again before we, uh, before we talked, and it's, it's one of the best songs we've done. And it's one of your best vocal performances in a song, too. It's, I I have... I, so are you saying you listened to it while we took that little break? Yeah. Behind the curtain, I, I edited it, out yeah. the break, but okay. I did too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It is. Uh... Uh, it really is amazing. And um, I mean, that whole, like that last, like in the, in like two thirds of the way through the song where you just start tearing on the guitar. I think it's the closest I'm ever going to get to like me rapping. I start tearing through some lyrics, you know, for better or worse. It's short. It's terse. It's long. It's drawn out. It's the same, you know, that whole like chunk, like it's like a solid minute where you and I are just ripping and tearing through the music. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It, It synergizes really well. Uh, and shockingly, this is one where your vocals lined up with the idea that I had to, in, with some overlap more than like usually we come from very different places and it, it, we get a song that's sort yeah. of like new, you know, it's like it's it's uh, not fully, you know, it's not pre-planned anyway. Um, definitely, definitely. But with this one, like the the music, the guitar part, uh, I came up with all it, it was after losing a family friend uh, passed mm. away and uh, I wanted uh, to make the the musical aspect of this song try and encompass the like stages of grief so all the changes Ooh. as the song evolves sort of deal with that like it starts out kind of slow and sad you know and then Definitely. it goes through a few different phases and you'll notice like at the very end it all of a sudden goes uh, to a much more upbeat kind of sound and that's sort of to symbolize that well 
uh, you know, life has to go on. You have to get back to normal at some point. You can't just stay in your in your uh, grief, I guess. So that yeah. so I, I was trying to cover all the stages of it with what I was uh, what I was playing and recording. And though it was oddly, it turned out really well uh, for from where I was at at the time, whenever I was playing it, you know, it, it wasn't something that I thought sure. was going to be something we would use. And then, you know, I sent it to you and you uh, provided like just perfect lyrics to go over top of it. And it, so like my interpretation, when I hear your lyrics for it, I don't see this uh, obese person doing, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think about sure. it in those terms. I think about yeah. it in very different yeah. terms, but it fits too the way that I think about it uh, as well. So that's, it goes to the open-endedness of the lyrics, you know, it's really Dude, well. As, as but, you were saying that, because I don't think I knew that story about these, this instrumental, or if I did, it was um, so long ago that I, I, I had uh, disjointed it because of my thoughts on it. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so much in this song that hits at that thing. I mean, you know, it's like the, um, uh, like, uh, who knows how we will come out of this. It's a gamble. It's a risk. Like that line, um, the whole thing about the, um, you know, but that's impossible. No, it's a miracle. That's what they say. That's what they keep telling me or whatever it is, you know, that type of thing. Yep. yep. Um, so you're absolutely right. I do see that interpretation. Um, that that's awesome. That is really cool. <laughs> that that is almost literally the opposite ends of the spectrum, right there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But it, but it fits perfectly into into this song, and uh, I, definitely, I, I love how it came out. It's uh, it was one that was very meaningful to me whenever I recorded it. Nice, so nice. It really it really came out fantastic. I do have to highlight another. Um, well, there's the, we have to highlight the end. The little like little uh, addendum to this song, you know. Um, but I I love the way it sounds with um the guitar and it was one of those moments when i was singing it like it just clicked with me to to put it with your instrumentation the um uh so we all feel some type of entertainment cross contamination you know like that i'm like that is i'm like oh my i'm like let's go let's go i mean it's track 13 so we're already going but let's keep going <laughs> oh yeah yeah it, it, it ain't stopping here <laughs> yes 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 and then like i said the addendum that literally you know the song kind of ends and picks back up and you do that groovy little riff at the end and we get the you know, the singing rounds which i love you know why you gonna be giving it taking it shaving it baby why you gonna be giving it taking it shaving it baby like that's just so much fun at the end of it you know <laughs> that it, also it might be the um little uplifting portion for this uh little more macabre song as we've talked about it you it, know whether it be from a point of grief or from a point of you know morbid obesity but you know it, it, it lifts your spirits up at the end it, it does and like that way you ended it too matched perfectly i thought with with my idea for the song because it you were, you started talking about sort of like uh i don't know just ordinary things you know like yeah, you're yeah. almost wrapping them in a sense. And it's like that goes exactly with what I was thinking of. Like you have to get back to your normal life, you know, uh, it, it couldn't have uh, synergized better, I think, with no pre planning at all. <laughs> yes, definitely. definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. It's another absolute, absolute reason to check out this album. And then, oh God, we're getting to the end, man. I mean, um, well, uh, well, just like today, it's it's Sunday Sizzler, right? We're recording on a Sunday Sizzler. That I would say this Skype session has been a Sunday Sizzler. This episode, if you listen to it on Sunday, will be a Sunday Sizzler. I guess that kind of makes me ask the question: What is a Sunday Sizzler? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is that like uh, a song that you're gonna like listen to at church? dance to at church or something Ooh, 
I like that. I like that. That's not what I think I'm getting at with my lyrics here, but I do like that. You know, um, I'm imagining you know people in um, a, a rural area of the country going to church one Sunday and they're like, come on kids, get your good shoes on. We're going to have ourselves a Sunday sizzler, you know, or something like that. We're going to listen to, uh, we're going to listen to father Pat's homily. And then we're going to grill some dogs on the barbecue. It's going to be a Sunday sizzler, you know, something (laughs) like that. And and that fits perfectly with the songs. This song's kind of, uh, amusing. (laughs) It, this song is amusing. This song absolutely is. This song is, uh, I would say, as far as I'm concerned from all the introspection, I think this is the one, that was included, uh, I, I let myself write, and we included, to be somewhat positive. N- there's some songs that are neutral. Like, I think Flayer Lake is kind of neutral. You know, you're thinking about yourself, running from yourself, that type of thing. I think a lot of the other songs are very negative in the sense of, like, you know, every time I think about it, I think about it. You know, there's a lot of being beaten down. Even if the sounds and the atmospheres are happy, I think a lot of the, what we've written about is very beating yourself down. I think this is the happiest song in the album, you know? This and, it's and Someday, Coming Alive. My friend. Yes, Coming Alive. Yes, Coming Alive, absolutely. They're, yes, this they're is the Coming two, Alive. There are two, like, uh, up bends, you know, in it. It's where... which, are abs- which is absolutely cool because Coming Alive is so early on the album and this is so late. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, it's Sunday, my friends. It's time to pretend that there's still time, so cut more limes. Uh, <laughs> may I say... A fantastic line of lyrics right there. I think that is wonderful. And I think it's wonderful because it will speak to anybody. If you are a, like, 12-year-old and you hear, it's Sunday, my friend, it's time to pretend, time to pretend that there's still time, you're going to go, yeah, I'm going to pretend there's still time before I have to go to school tomorrow, you know, that yep. type of thing. Yep. But if you are fucking 40 years old, you hear this, you're going to go, yeah, I'm going to pretend that there's still more time before I have to go to work tomorrow. Like, it's timeless, that type of thing. And I, when I thought of that, I was like, that's wonderfully perfect. Um, and then it just kind of goes off into the fun, fun landscape afterwards, you know? Um, so much, of course, we'll talk about the, the weird effects and lines of dialogue near the end, you know? But I, I really do love the line where I think this is positively introspective because it's also getting at the idea, just like coming alive, of having somebody else involved in your thoughts or, you know, thinking about somebody else in your thoughts. I love the line, you know, I say it a lot in this, in this track, but it's like, I'm playing chess, yet you say it's all a mess. I really like that idea where you could be explaining something to somebody and you're like, dude, I have these thoughts. I have these feelings. This is how I'm going to handle them. Like you're, you're literally setting up a chessboard and you think you're playing the strategic game and they go, no, dude, you're just a mess. Like this is all over the place. Like this makes no sense, you know? And it's not like one person is right or one person is wrong. It's the idea that two people can't see the same thing from the same perspective. There's a reason yep. that you play chess or parallel from each other because you can't see what the other person sees even though you think you might be able to. And I, I've always loved that line. I'm so glad I got to... I, I've had that line in my head for a long time. I'm so glad I got to actually put it into a song. Like, uh, I'm playing chess, yet you say it's all a mess. I love that idea, for yep, sure. Yep, it goes into the subjectivity of it, and uh, it all, which also fits in with the you know whole idea behind the, the behind it of it being you know introspective. It. It's yes. uh, your. Uh, it's either your mess or your grand strategy at chess. You know. Yep, absolutely. And then the work that you did to put the effects on my vocals, because this was one of the tracks that my vocals are somewhat layered, but I did a lot of takes to get this right. This is still one of the songs that I could probably do work on. Not not to make it better, different from coming alive with how we thought in that process, but just to control my voice better. Like the whole thing of the 
me going high on the Sunday, like, it's Sunday, my friends, like that I could probably nail better, but I think we got a really good take in the album. Oh, the ver- yeah, the album I think it version. sounds yeah. great. It's a, This is a difficult song, I'd say. Like, like from there, a- there was a lot of times just me sitting, Matt can see my camera, like sitting right where I am now. Not I wasn't even saying I was standing at certain points, like with my work phone, I'm like, it's Sunday. And I'm like, oh, shit, no, okay, start over again, you know. <laughs> it's Sunday. And that's like I was trying to do like graspy, like raspy stuff. Like there was a part where I was trying to play, like, it's Sunday, my friend. And I was like, that doesn't work. Like I'm not Joe Cobb <laughs> or anything like that, <laughs> okay. you know. For a second, and I thought you were going that, for Scott Stapp from Creed. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, my friend. It's Sunday. Uh, maybe, maybe throw an Eddie Vedder take. Sunday, my friend. You know, something like that. <laughs> uh, we got to save this um, for the comedy reinterpretation album. <laughs> absolutely. But I feel like we got a good take. But this one that I always listen back to, and I'm like, God, there's so much I could probably refine. But we, we ironed out all those bumps that I had with the effects. And, I mean, one of my favorite parts in the song, other than the one we mentioned at this very start and we laugh at, which we'll have to talk about again, but, you know, the, um, when, I, when I hit into the, um, that really end of the song, it's the, Someday, someday we'll find a way, we'll find a way. The effects you put on me right there is that it almost sounds like I'm singing underwater to some extent, and it really adds to the fact, of, not the fact, the essence of this song it's that it's saying it's like someday we'll find a way and it sounds like i'm saying that while i'm bogged down by something by by an essence by it by a by a material or something like that and it just adds it does like what you created it's like you took my lyrics and our music to something and making it even more meaningful where it's like honestly if anybody heard that point in the song and they were like that sounds bad it'd be like you fundamentally missed the point of what we were trying to do <laughs> i i think that part in particular really hits especially once it like like as it goes into uh what do you say i'm trying to find the part right now uh, so it's someday someday we'll find a way find a way find a way out of this mess someday yeah some way someday that i guess i guess i guess and then that leads into the Sunday, Sunday Sizzla. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, that's perfect. I, I don't. I love that whole. It's thing. really good. Lo- it's really good. <sighs> it just it sounds great. It uh, that it uh, sort of like glues with the the instrument that's going on too. And yeah, I wanted really to mention well that because especially when I get to that point where I'm like, you know, because there's three of them, Sunday, Sunday, Sizzler. I said that three times. They each have like this different effect that gets more, you know, wonky as it goes on. But your guitar part is that very staccato, like bump, 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 you know? And it, it works so well where it's like Sunday, Sunday, Sizzler, dun, 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 Sunday, Sunday, Sizzler. <laughs> <laughs> Sizzla! Sizzla! <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we, just, we said at the start, I want to reiterate for our audience again, Matt and I left way too long and way too hard just hearing that. We're, we're, it was so good. I can't, I can't listen to it without smiling. I mean, <laughs> which is something I, I love. I mean, you know, that's the point of music is to evoke yes, an emotional yes. response, in my opinion. And Sunday, Sunday, Sizzler. That, <laughs> <it> doesn't. <laughs> 
Oh, God. It is it is really funny. It's a great song. It's a great song. And um, I, I guess we should shout out also that this is um, – this song is uh, – maybe maybe this might not be the right word, but a, a – maybe not bastardization, but a um, – an adoption from something you did with Phil originally. I did want to mention that because Phil, Philip G, has been f- featured on our music and also um, and in Superiority Complex Musics before. And um, this is one of the songs that he uh, had to get cut out of because I said Sizzla one day and we just the rest is history. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 at some point, maybe there will be another version that will come out that will be featuring Philip G and it will be called Sunday Somber. I think we talked Ooh, about how yes, that fits. Yes, yes. That fit the whole idea behind Phil's lyrics uh, much better. You know, it's a different song, a very dr- drastically different song. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that'll be on uh, our B sides released eventually, or something like that, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, it was it was important, I think, for this one to really uh, bring a smile. So that's how that's how uh, this landed. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, just like as we said at the start, how I originally wanted Are We Going Again to be the first track on the album, but we very rightfully so chose that instrumental that sets the stage, like the overture starts somewhere while going nowhere. I think the same thing can be said is that Sunday Sizzler really is the end of the um, of the album, I'm doing air quotes, the end of the introspectiveness. Not, well, maybe not fully. Um, I guess what I'm queuing up is that the last track on the album, track 15, There Was a Time... How 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 does one, not only us as the creators of this song, how does an individual describe what the fuck this song is, man? <laughs> this is one of the strangest things that I think I've ever heard, and you and I created it. It's one of the first tracks that after we settled on it, I shared with Jeremy, the other member of N Inspirator Complex, and he was like, he's like, I don't think I've ever really heard anything quite like this, you know? This song is... Off the walls bonkers, I would say. <laughs> it's uh, very Is that much. Fair? <laughs> it's very much in the Immortal Lansbury style for an album closer. Yes, <laughs> yes. If you liked uh, what you chomping, this is right up your alley for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely like the curveball, you know, that we threw in there. Just uh, it it definitely shakes things up a bit. It's oh god a bit a lot. I mean it's discordant. It's um there's a lot of lyrics that are the same lyrics but not overlaid. They're offset not in a way to make them sing in rounds like our other songs, but they're offset in a way to make you feel uncomfortable. Like I think the point of the song is to be unsettling. Is to even the guitar part too is like yes yeah. It's like a Halloween music or something. It doesn't. It's not sounded or inspired by that, but it it. It's that's the feeling you get, that anxiety, you know. Yeah, that moment uh, where I go, no, not in a clock, not in a calendar. You can't plan for it. You can't have anything to remind you about it. The guitar comes in, you know, that type of thing. It's unsettling to me, and I know every beat of it. You know, it's like I, like, I still like get, I get goosebumps when I listen to it because I'm like, like this is kind of like what the guy who sings the 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 singer of the flayer lake in that dive bar felt when the creature was attacking him is the way I feel when I listen to this song <laughs> where I'm like on edge. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I'm listening to this song while sitting back on my couch and I'm like, there's about a foot between the wall and the couch behind me. Something could be back there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a very unique atmosphere. I, I think it's a unique in the way that, I mean, you're right. The closer, what's your chomping? If you don't like the dentist, maybe that song makes you feel that way. But that song is very upbeat and and electronic. This is just like the genre is unsettling. 
like the like the genre like what is that song? What genre is this song? Unsettling. No, like, not how it makes you feel. What's the genre? Unsettling. <laughs> I mean, the closest I can think of to another song I know that it doesn't really make me feel this way, but it's, it has maybe the slightest resemblance to would be indiscipline, right? I mean, it, it just Ooh. the way the vocal delivery of indiscipline. Uh, yes, where it's sort yes. of like this chaotic, uh, it's, it seems like an inner monologue kind of thing, you know? Dude, dude, now that you say that, even after the um, uh, the end of that part in Indiscipline, like the end of the speaking part where he goes, I look at it to see if I still like it. I did! And then the instrumental comes in. Yep. Dude, that's the end of it. That's that's the end of what, what we do here where I, where I do the whole, you know, oh my God, one of my favorite parts in this song is the, um, you know, how do you measure it? How do you feel it? How do you relate to it? How do you explain it? How do you comprehend it? How do you tell somebody? How do you come back from it? And then just instrumental. Yep. Like, oh my God, you're right. We probably, I probably, we probably were very subconsciously in uh probably consciously as well influenced by that song that whole album um, yeah f- from it, king crimson yeah discipline yeah king Cr- yeah one of my favorite king crimson albums i'm you know i'm thinking of you know even the um what um what oh god i can't remember it's, it's not coming right now but the um the spoken word like, this is a dangerous place you know that whole song yeah um very much spoken word then punctuated by music which is it's so good, but it's so unsettling. And that's the thing is that another thing I wanted to mention about this track, there's a lot of layers of lyrics going on in this in this song that you can hear on the album. Uh, track 15, There Was a Time. There's so many more on the cutting room floor. Like I did takes where I was angry, where I was scared, where I was – I tried to put so many different emotions on these things. And we found the mix of them that work out, you know, and it's – um. It it just it came out perfectly, of course. Maybe and, we need to like add, uh, you know, make a trilogy or something, a sequel <laughs> called like there yeah. was there was a place or there wasn't Ooh, a time. <laughs> there wasn't a time. Yes, yes. Um, that's I like that. I like that. Um, but I think just in the essence of because this is one of the songs, uh, maybe not one of. I think this is the song the most that you can tell everything I'm saying. Not that you can't in any other. I, I feel like I'm a very clear vocalist, so you can understand what like the lyrics that are being presented. But this is just me speaking, you know? And I feel like everybody can relate to this. Even though a lot of the lyrics are chaotic and overlap and stuff like that, I feel like everybody can, everybody can relate to the fact that they've tried to explain something to somebody and they get angry because the other person's not understanding it. That's like my essence of this song, where I'm saying... I'm like, there was a time. No, it's not on the clock. Not like hours and minutes and seconds. There's a time. No, not a year, not a day. Like, stop trying to guess what I'm going to say to you, you know? Like, just let me say it. And it's like, there's a time. No, not a state of mind. Not somewhere I was. Not a place. It's something different. Not on the clock. Not in the calendar, you know? You can't plan for it. It's it's just so weird. It's it's like almost the the extrospective extraction of introspection. Like, you trying to explain your introspective thoughts to somebody else and you clearly know they're not understanding what you're saying because they don't think like you do yeah and it's almost like you're having a conversation but you're only hearing one side of it too exactly exactly i love i love that later on it goes you know it's uh no i wasn't with anybody else you know (laughs) and then it says um you don't know it's there until it's there you don't know it's gone until it's gone that type of thing (laughs) It's uh, it's great. It, it might as well also be a song about a thought. Like, you can't explain a thought or a feeling to somebody, and you don't really know when it comes or why it comes. It's that misunderstanding about, you know, your 
your triangle of um, thoughts, feelings, and reactions and stuff like that. Um, and uh, and, I, and I also have to say, I do love the fact that I do throw that line in near the end. I, I don't think it's layered. I think it is a, a, a singular, just loud line that we mixed in where I go, no, no, I know I'm not explaining it right. <laughs> I love that little touch. I love that's right before the big build up at the end, the climax, um, for sure. Um, but I also did want to mention, Matt, that do you remember there was a, a few versions of the song where after the "How do you come back from it?" where um, you start playing the guitar, like the real instrumental part comes in, that I was thinking of adding other lyrics and whistles and stuff like that, and we just were like, nope, that defeats the purpose of the song. Like, how yeah. do you come back from it? That's it. No more lines of dialogue after that. How do you come back from it? No mention of that. You gotta let that hang in the air. Exactly. It was the full kind of final punch to this album that we needed that just ends out with, you know, you doing some great instrumental, just like the album started, and it just peters out, it trinkles down. I think there's some very teardrop, raindrop, you know, like a very very nice light, you know, guitar, like, like notes at the end, and the album ends, and and it's 15 tracks. It's only like 50, what, 55 minutes or something? It's not very long. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of shorter tracks in this one. Yeah, it's a reasonable length. I think it's shorter than our other albums. I mean, um, I think Lit was... Around an hour, maybe a little over an hour. Um, yeah, I think over an hour. I think we I think we hit over an hour in both of them. Um, but it's, it's great. It's so dense. We put a lot of work into it where you find it. I mean, it's... It's good. I mean, I, I'm I'm tempted to say it's our best yet because I think that's our what our strive was to make it the best yet. You know, to grow from what we've learned previously, and um, uh, you yes. know, I hope it. Uh, I I hope that we continue to grow from it. You know, that type of thing. And um, and I'm glad to work with you, Matt. I mean, maybe my my final thoughts on this is that um, well, well, one, um, it's no surprise. I'm very glad to work with you, Matt. Otherwise, we would not have known each other uh, for as long as we have. And uh, only started making music after we moved away from each other. Yeah. That's the other thing that I think we've mentioned before that's very strange. Yeah, know? Rob had to deal with listening to me play guitar for <laughs> years, you know, in college. And he didn't play guitar, really, at least uh, not... Uh, I mean, yeah, he was yeah. expert at Guitar Hero, don't get me wrong. But <laughs> um, but then, yeah, the, Rob... The plastic, the plastic five-button guitar was my string of choice for many years. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, we move away in uh, different states and everything, and all of a sudden, Rob's playing music and playing guitar and got a 12-string, and it's like, well, shit! <laughs> it's time for us yeah. to make some music, I guess. And it all, and it all, it has worked out fantastically well. I mean, now, what, three years of music? Probably four, if you count some, you know, extra dates on the end, but first album was 2019, this one's 2022... I mean, I hope we get better from here. I can't wait to see what we do next. I mean, hey, everybody, you know, keep it in the keep it in mind in the hopper. Matt and I have some ideas we've been working on. There's a few tracks that are in the Dropbox that we haven't touched in a while, but we've been messing with that type of thing. Um, and uh, I love that, you know, every time we take our music in a different direction, we want to grow from it. And I think that's what I want to iterate to the audience as well or anybody listening to it is that, you know, Matt and I never want to stagnate that type of thing. Uh, to compare, because I, I have to, because I will shamelessly plug uh, N and Spirity Complex. The only reason N and Spirity Complex has not come out with a new album is because we have no idea how to top Semi-Perfect Get Sublime. Um, that last album, we are just like, this is literally everything we wanted to say with our music. And, of course, Jeremy has gone on to do his solo stuff. Everybody check out Lisp, L-I-S-P-P. Jeremy's great. great with that. I've gone on to work with Matt with his stuff, with uh, the Immortal Lansbury stuff, for sure, because, you know, we have a, a lot to say, and... um. I get to sing more. I don't sing in the uh, um, and in Spirity Complex, you know, and I like to express that. Um, 
but I don't think we're hitting that wall. I mean, Jeremy and I hit hit a wall where we were like, like, goddamn, like this is immaculate. Like this is literally everything we've wanted to say with our music, and we were like, how do we top this? And I think Matt, you and I haven't hit any anywhere near that. Where it's not about what we have to say; it's about the ways we can say it, type of thing. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. And uh, there's always room to improve whenever you have that approach, you know. So absolutely. Uh, and and that that's definitely what you know. We're always striving to be better. That is uh, what's mm-hmm. constantly uh, moving us forward with our music. Like this album, I think is like way way better than the last album. I think that one is way way better than the previous album, uh, than the first sure. one. And I'm not saying they're bad or anything. I mean, they definitely have great exactly. songs, but we didn't know what we were doing as much. You know, we're constantly yeah. learning and trying new things, and it's paying off uh, in the art that we're creating. They all have different flares to them, and I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's like you're, you're going to listen to them. Of course, you can hear the the train of thought from Matt and I from the Immortal Lansberries. You know, we have the same kind of baseline grounding, but they all have their different takes. They get more refined, I think, as they go on. I mean, just as an example, like take those, um, like take the singles, take the track of the singles. I mean, smothered nihilistic epilogue compliance to song away from home, like the minimality of smothered. And being as beautiful as it is, because that is a beautiful song, you know? I mean, but it's so simple. It's so straightforward. And I, I think, you know, honestly, if, if I now, what, three years after the fact, did a retake of Smothered, I could actually nail that down. If I had a lot of time, it would sound a lot better. Um, because it's such a simple song. But nothing's going to beat that, that same original take, as, yeah. as we said, you know, that type of thing. Compare that to Nihilistic Yet Bewildered Compliance. Um, which has been really hard for me, Matt, every time you mentioned it, to not call it And Yet BC, which is our shorthand for it, you know? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but nobody else knows that. Um, but, you know, then listen to that song. It's a, it's like, it's almost like chaos incarnate. Like, there's so much going on. There's so much jammed into it, you know? There's so many sounds. There's so many layers, that type of thing. And then Song Away From Home. It's kind of the midpoint between those two things. It's simple yet complex. It's catchy yet chaotic, you know? And it gets an idea that you don't really have to parse through the lyrics and all these different spoken word lines to get and understand. You just hear it and you go, okay, I relate to that. There's, it's such a transition. It's such a growth. It's a time series of our of our love for music, our love for our music, and our love for music in general. And, uh, I mean, Matt, if there's nothing else you want to say about our music or anything like that, I am happy to say that... Um, Everybody should love our music. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, or else. <laughs> I think that we have made a great thesis uh, argument as why everybody should listen to the Immortal Lansberries. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> this is going to be our next... We're going to write a paper write-up on this next. Yes. Be able to find it in your... Next. You know, local like uh, association of musicians publication or something. <laughs> Absolutely, that would be great. That would be great. No, with all that being said, Matt, thank you so much for being here. Even though I don't have to thank you, I mean, we both wanted to do this type of thing. I I think this has been a great academic dissection of our latest album. Um, as I said at the start, I think it is a fantastic bonus feature. Most times, you would have to buy the deluxe edition of the CD or vinyl to get this type of thing but to you the cinema audience you just get it because you like like our podcast like our music all that stuff matt i have to ask this question because i do it for all of our guests but uh feel free to give as goofy or no answer as you'd like when you are not playing in the immortal lansberries where can people find you if you want to be found 
this is where people put post like let's say things like Twitter, Instagram, other podcasts they work on, YouTube channels, stuff like that. Oh, know? so I'm supposed to promote myself now. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, if yes, I had a exactly. side project for other people to look into, then I would promote that, but uh, this is uh, the Immortal Landsberries is my full dedication when I'm not working full time as a programmer. Gotcha, gotcha. So if you are not busy listening to Matt perform in the Immortal Landsberries, don't look for uh, me. <laughs> uh, don't look for him elsewhere, but go listen to the Immortal Landsberries. I think that's what we're saying. If you are not currently listening to the Immortal Landsberries, go listen to the Immortal Landsberries. And if you're not listening to the Immortal Landsberries and you've already listened to it, then listen to an inferiority complex. Yes, thank you. Yes, of course. Um, we, uh, I, I, oh, Matt, I guess you just made me realize with the release of of the introspective landscape, the Immortal Landsberries now have one more album than an inferiority complex. Holy shit, we do. We <laughs> Matt, do. you and I, you have become my more prolific band partner. Look at that. <laughs> uh, Jeremy will not be upset because Jeremy loves any music any of his friends create uh, because he is a genuinely good person. Um, but yes, absolutely. Music all around. Everybody go listen to it. Everybody check it out. And... Um, I mean, the introspective landscape. Think about yourself. Think about music. Think about us, that type of thing. The only thing I want to say then at the end of this episode, Matt, um, is because since this is a bonus episode, we don't have to talk about what we're doing next week, anything like that. I don't know when this is coming out yet in times of recording it, so I can't even say what the next main feed episode will be. But, of course, a full-time tradition on Cinemodities is at the end of every episode, we play something, an outro theme, if you will, but it's an established song in reverse. Do you think there is a part of a song or one of our songs from this new album that we should play in reverse to end this episode? We started with Are We Going Again. I think the low-hanging fruit would be to say, let's play that in reverse. But I don't want to undo the Are We Going Again. You know, we can't, like, I feel like if we played Are We Going Again in reverse, it would undo the fact that we're going again, you know? So do you think there's another song that might be well-suited to play in reverse at the end of this episode? Uh, I'm kind of torn between two. Uh, okay. So the one I would say would be turbulence, just to get the other side of the coin of Ooh, Are We Going that's Again? Good. That's the other, good. the other one would be uh, There Was a Time, just because I'm genuinely curious what the hell that would sound like <laughs> in reverse. Dude, that would sound crazy. <laughs> that would sound crazy. Um, I kind of like There Was a Time in reverse because turbulence in reverse might not be too exciting, you know. Not as much as there was a time, I bet. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, okay. So we're going to play There Was a Time in Reverse, and uh, if anybody who is going to finish out this episode by listening to that sound clip uh, of There Was a Time in Reverse, and you have not heard the original album, uh, this might be a great way to be like, hey, go listen to the original version. If you think this sounds crazy, wait till you hear the the forwards type of thing. (laughs)